lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is episode number 198 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, September the 9th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everybody who joined us two weeks ago when we had Billman and Frankie from GM10 on the show. Apologies last week, was at the Burbank show in California, had a great time. And thank you for your patience as we return back tonight with Sports Cards Live. Unfortunately, next Saturday, Will be another non non episode of Sports Cards Live. I will be uh, on vacation that weekend, so no episodes next weekend. Everybody, I want to thank all of Sports Cards Live sponsors, partners for your ongoing support. Thank to all. Thank you to all viewers, listeners, subscribers. If you're not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please take a moment and do so. But let's get to it tonight's. Oh, and as always, as always, your comments and your questions are in play. So don't be shy. We have a great collector-centric episode tonight. Looking forward to getting into it. This is live, 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 Abel in Vegas. We're going to get to it, everybody. Tonight's guest, he got started in the hobby in 1993, going to the Gibraltar card show with his father, who was an avid collector. During the pandemic, his father gifted him his amazing Wayne Gretzky collection. His favorite teams are the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Lions. Favorite athletes of all time are Wayne Gretzky and Sergei Fedorov. He's originally from Livonia, Michigan, currently hailing from Farmington Hills, Michigan. Let's bring him out. Brian Leffler, welcome to Sports Cards Live, buddy. How are you tonight? Hey, Jeremy, thanks for having me on. I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? I, I'm doing well, too. I'm doing well, too. It's good to have you. I'm excited for this episode. There's lots of uh, lots of talk in the hobby, lots of things going on in the hobby right now. And of course, I'm staying informed and following along with the with the with the various content creators uh, and journalists who are, you know, keeping us informed. And I'm grateful to all of them. I kind of said on my Instagram post that this episode was going to be card porn that we can actually still appreciate. Yeah. And uh, and that's I'm talking about the cards. I'm talking about the beautiful cards that you have. And uh, we'll talk about some of those. We're going to we're going to show some of your cards. And I didn't tell you this, Brian, but I actually pulled out some of my Gretzky cards, too. So we can okay. kind of show some off later on and go back and forth maybe and, and have some fun with that. So the real, the authentic, the natural card porn will be on the show tonight. But it has nothing to do with this uh, Juan Garcia character. This just has to do with actual beautiful cardboard, which is what we are here for. All right. Well, with that, let's get in and, and learn a little bit about you, Brian. Your listen, I, I know we had a good chat the other day, but I wanna I want you to share with the audience your hobby history and you know how you uh you know, as I mentioned, you're a lifelong hobbyist, but you really got back into it during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Your father basically gave you and said, Here, it's yours, you deal with this, you take care of my collection now. But why don't you take us back to the beginning? Tell us about your father, tell us about his collecting activity and exploits and passion for it i want to i, I want to learn about him and then how it passed on to you so go take it away take it away brian all right yeah it's a great story so yeah i think as we chatted before and i can give a recap so 
back in the 80s, I, my dad collected U.S. coins and currency, right? And then obviously sports memorabilia, like a lot of guys did, right? He was born in the 50s, so he was, you know, in his 30s and 40s at that point. He was a dad. So I got into hockey when I was five, right? In Michigan, when you grow up on skates after you learn to walk. So I was about four years old, started playing hockey, started playing more when I was five for uh, what we call mini mites, right? And I think in the early 90s, when the, the baseball strike happened, my dad sold this collection of baseball cards because he thought, you know, what the heck, you know, they're not going to play. I'm not going to sponsor them kind of thing out of frustration, right? We'll say. And then he decided, okay, I got to collect something else. You know, I don't know if it's OCD, the ADD in him or what it was, but he's like, I got to collect something. And being in Michigan, like as you mentioned, he thought, okay, everybody's going to collect the Red Wings. Everybody's going to collect Iceman. Everybody's going to collect Gordy House stuff. So he thought, I want to be something different. So, and at that time, Gretzky had already established himself, obviously, with the Oilers' time. And he thought, I'm going to collect Wayne Gretzky. He's the great one. Not a lot of people are doing it. He's not that we knew of. And he thought, I'm going to do it. And we started going as when I was about six or seven years old. So around 92, 93 or so, we went to Gibraltar Trade Center, which was every month, you know, they they would have different card shows or different uh, activities every weekend, you know, guns, knives, whatever. And then once a month, it was sports cards. But as it still kind of is, predominantly, the hobby was basketball and football, right? Everybody wanted that. So my dad kind of had a list that he would make and write down based on what he kind of looked up, you know, pre-internet days. Uh, understanding what I have, what I don't have from the OPG, the top stuff back in the, the 70s and the 80s. And he would basically say, hey, my brother, who was three years older, he'd say, okay, guys, go find him, right? Basically, he would almost unleash us both to scour down the aisles. To rate, and we look back and forth, back and forth to every sports case we could, past the football, past the basketball, past the baseball, until we found the hockey, which was usually in the middle or towards the back of certain aisles. I, why, why no hockey, baseball? I just wrote that down. Why you guys are from Michigan, not Canada, close, but yep. not Canada, which you know, hockey's our pastime here. Why was your father so interested in hockey versus baseball, basketball, football cards? So I know, again, but going back to the Olympia, right? So back in the 70s where my grandfather uh, with his company, they bought season tickets back, I think, in like in 68 or so. And they had season tickets growing up. So they had those. And then in Joe Lewis, right, when Joe Lewis came around in 1976, 77, my parents had season tickets, uh, two sets, the entire duration of Joe Lewis. So we always went to Red Wings games growing up. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I say that very, very almost like I got dragged to games, right, when I was younger. And most people would kill to go to hockey games. And I was like dragged to them. Like when I was in middle school and high school, I was like, Oh God, not another hockey game kind of thing. Right. But it, I mean, my passion was there from a young age. Again, I learned to skate early. I just always loved hockey. It, it was most people, you know, loved the football baseball where it was stop and go. I loved this, the fast paced exhilaration of hockey where you could go minutes between whistles and it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it was so much fun to watch. So I think I just kind of translated to my dad as well, where he just liked watching the Red Wings, even back when the Red Wings were not good, right? Back in Eiserman's, you know, kind of glory days prior to the Russian five, prior to Scotty Bowman coming in and taking over, he just absolutely loved watching the Red Wings. So that just kind of translated into his hockey. He had other like sports memorabilia stuff. Again, he's got a couple like Jordan basketballs, uh, you know, like Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali boxing gloves and stuff like that, that he was either gifted or found, I'll call it in the industry over the years. But for the most part, it was hockey. That just became the passion and what he collected kind of thing. 
Well, that's yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if that's where you're going, you talk about, you know, the action in hockey where you can go two, three, four minutes between a whistle. It makes me think of when you're at a game and you are coming back to your seats after maybe going to the bathroom or the intermission, going to get a hot dog, whatever it is. And then you had literally, and this is for all sporting events, and you have to wait for the next break in play. And there's times you could be standing there trying to look over the people. I'm lucky being tall. I can see the, I can kind of see the ice from the gate, but you know, you have to wait. You can wait up to sometimes two to three, four minutes. Sometimes you can wait eight to 10 minutes if there's a real long stretch. It doesn't happen as often, but that's what that made me think of. And so that brings us uh, really that that explains what where your passion comes from for hockey, for hockey cards. Really quick, do you collect any other sports cards right now? Are you interested in any other cards beside? And is it only Wayne Gretzky? So 99, I'll be, uh, you know, with, with pun intended, 99% of my collection is Wayne Gretzky. The only other person I started collecting more recently was Dylan Larkin. Uh, I, again, I grew up watching him, you know, in Michigan recently. So when we played for U of M and then obviously when he took over, you know, the captainship and whatnot, he's a leader, he's a great guy. And then also in all honesty, he's more affordable, right? I mean, Gretzky cards are expensive. So to be able to actually, and I can't stop collecting much. I may want to sometimes and my wife, but yeah. Talk about, talk about that. Why can't you stop collecting? Cause listen, I want you to talk about it. Cause everybody watching now. I'm going to say 99% of the people watching now, pun intended, feel the exact same way you do. And sometimes we don't even know what it is. So can you put it into words? I think it'll resonate with a lot of people watching and probably with me too. Honestly, I think it's, uh, it's just, you, you can't shut it off, right? And, and the way they come up with nowadays, depending on the brand, right? Depending on the set that comes out, some cards are just so gorgeous, you have to have it, right? It, it's kind of one of those things where I look at it as it used to be, you got to get every parallel, right? You got to get every color. You got to get every everything as much as you possibly could, right? With at least out of 10 or higher. If you could find it, you had to get it. Nowadays, though, there are just some cards that come out where, I mean, the most recent one of the cup, right? I saw the highlighters, right? Where, where it had, and it had the, the siren on it. And I saw that I have to have that card. I don't care. I don't care how much I pay for it. I don't care who finds it. I don't care what it's out of. I have to have that because it's gorgeous. The, the same with SP Legends, right, back in March, where I know they hit EPAC recently, so it's a big, another big boom. I saw the all-time future watch autos, and I just thought, oh, my goodness. I've been waiting for, like, a Gretzky, a great equivalent of, like, a future watch auto that all the rookies get forever, forever. And I saw it hit the market, and I just thought, I have to buy. And I did. I went and bought a case, right? I pre-ordered a case right then and there when I saw it just because I thought I absolutely have to have this card. And I think that's what, how a lot of people feel, where it, you may have thousands, tens of thousands of cards. It doesn't matter. When that new one hits, it, it's like the new car smell, right? It just is so intoxicating, and it takes over you where you have to have it. And, and it just, it's one of those things where, and I don't think it's a greed thing at all. It's just one of those things where as you go through and do it, it's just you you want to have it in your hand. It's cool to look at it from afar online and see somebody else show it and think, man, I'm really glad that I can see it. But I would really, really love to hold it in my hand, too. Yeah. Oh, that was really good, man. I mean, you know, go, you use the word gorgeous. And I, I, all, I call cards gorgeous. I once had a, one of the guys that runs one of the LCSs in town. Whenever you, I'd say, oh, the card is gorgeous. He's like, what, what is it? A, is it a woman? Like, what do you mean it's gorgeous? It's gorgeous. Like, I'm sorry. That's the word I want to use. So I'm with you on that. We look at cards 
and something about the the way they can just fit that creativity the the image the design into that eight and a half square inches of, of real estate when we see one that we love like it gives us a feeling it gives us a feeling and we that we want we want to have it so uh i hear you i hear you loud and clear um all right let's just take a second welcome everybody who just joined us to the show we got brian leffler gretzky collector joining us and if you were here at the beginning you might have noticed and especially if you're a regular listener I didn't do, I didn't shout out the sponsors at the beginning. I'm going to change it up. I want to give them some extra value and kind of do it now. So I'm going to ask you guys right now to join close to half a million people who have downloaded the center stage app across both iOS and Android for quick comps and card management features. The app is the fastest and most accurate at card shows or at home to help you price your cards. You can build, organize, and share your collection with your friends and find other collectors to follow using their social sharing features they have grading partnerships and marketplace features are coming soon check out their ig and account and join me in supporting the great team they have and the innovation they are taking undertaking again center stage app it's on the ticker right now and thank you for allowing me to do that we have a couple more coming all right ryan let's go to comments we got a lot of people with us want to again say hello to everybody t2 joined earlier said can't wait my notifications on the great one wayne gretzky Abel in Vegas, welcome to the show. Daniel A, welcome back from the hall. Yeah, good to see you, Daniel. We had a long weekend last week. Good to see a currency project in the house. Hockey season is right around the corner. Let's go. Jeremy Fowl Fiebel, got to see you three times in a row. The Burbank Show, buddy, good to see you. It was a great show until I had a heart attack on Sunday morning. What? For real? Oh, my gosh, man. Please recover. Recover well. So you're watching. So uh all the best oh wow that's a that's a comment i wasn't expecting jeremy i hope you're hope you're hope you're better hope you're getting better pal hope you are getting better uh mike double v what's up with you good to see you jeff mcmahon thank you so much jake doll 90s hockey nick martelli what's going on good to see you uh mark santucci heard you had a great time were there a lot of hockey cards at the at the burbank show you know what I, I find whenever people ask me, and Brian, you'll, you'll you'll maybe understand. Like people always say, were there a lot of hockey cards at the national or or wherever I am that's not in Canada? And oftentimes I say, yes, there are. You just had to look for them. The Burbank show, however, I would say was the weakest show for hockey that I'd been to for a while. But there was still some there, but probably the least I'd seen on a like per table basis uh, in a while. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Jeff McMahon says, I miss those Gibraltar shows. There you go. Someone else who's been to them, uh, Brian. Justin Bode, what's going on, buddy? Good to see you. Daniel says, Zeiserman is doing a great job as the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. No doubt. Just 90s Gretzky cards are fun. Yeah, right? For sure they are. For sure. I've got I've got my sh fair share of 90s and uh, more modern Gretzky cards, Brian, and uh, and I know you do too. So yeah, Justin, you are correct, no doubt. Mark Santucci has no Gretzky cards. Well, you can learn about some now. Maybe decide something you might want to have. Joe Perot in the house, my guy from Santa Cruz. What's going on, Joe? Terry Fortune, Brian. I don't know. Do you know Terry Fortune? He's a big Gretzky collector as well. Mm -hmm. No, he's got Terry Fortune owns like over a hundred Gretzky rookies, all grades, all grading companies. He's a yeah, loves them, loves them. Benny Cromwell in the house. What's going on? JT91, good to see you. 
Doug Poole says, Brian's collection is A-OK. -okay. By the way, this is Russian Rocket Collector. Hey, Doug, good to see you. And Cage Lawyer Minion, I love the lethal weapon insert. Gretzky is great. I actually have one. I just happened to have one right here, the Pavel Bure that I just got back, picked it up from the tag rating when I was at the Burbank show. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful cards. I got to say, I well agree with you, Cage Lawyer Minion. Hockey Cardboard. 80s puffy hair Gretzky is iconic, is iconic. And finally, John says, Upper Deck and Gary Bettman are both bad at promoting hockey in the USA. Need some fresh heads over there with new market strategies. The NHL is a joke. Dana White made them look like fools. All right, John. Well, that's uh, pretty uh, pretty straight to the point. We, we know how you feel, John. We know how you feel. The Canadian, well done, Brian. A big hello from author of the Wayne Gretzky Checklist and Price Guide. Oh, nice. Cheers, Richard Scott. I believe Richard welcome to the show all right Brian let's keep on let's keep on talking you had told me a bit of a story about I found this story kind of interesting I'd like you to tell it uh something about a Denny's a deal went down a deal went down at a Denny's restaurant what can you tell us about that yeah so and, and I think that's what it was just talked about where the comments with the 90s Gretzky's right so the 96 black diamond run for the cup Right. It's one of those cards that everybody loves to have because I mean, even that 96, right, where before like technology was really big, that see through card. Right. When you put it up to the light and you can see the guy's face, it's just awesome. Right. It's so cool to see. Uh, and you got one right there. You're going to show. I grabbed this yeah. at the Bur I bought this at the Burbank show from Frank Porco. And yeah. uh, you're talking about the Gretzky. I may as well show what you're talking about because Gretzky has one in this uh, in, the, in one of these cards. Yeah, and like we said, it's gorgeous, right? It, there's there's certain cards that are absolutely gorgeous. And again, a picture of that card does it no justice at all, right? You can't capture the hologram right. You can't capture the lighting right. It'll look kind of glary, but actually seeing it in your hands is just absolutely phenomenal. And th there was a, yeah, so there was back in 97, 98, right? After the set had first come out, where again, before eBay was really huge, right? And booming and back during dial-up times, right? Before the high-speed internet. And my dad met a guy at a show and he was like, hey, do you have one? I have been looking for one. And he's like, it's not with me, but you know, it, cause it was at a Gibraltar show. And he goes, but if you meet me like at a Denny's, like, cause they exchange phone numbers, right? Landline numbers back in the day. And it was 350 cash, right? And nowadays you can't find that car for 350 unless it's bent in half and chewed by the dog and something even then you probably still won't get it for that price it's one of those things that my dad had to actually meet in person at a denny's because it was the local restaurant around the corner for 350 dollars cash because it was such a big purchase and it just it's one of those things that just is, is so it tells the story right of the hobby of how much it has changed right because then i actually i sold that card last uh well actually this year and I mean, I made uh, technically it'd be like over 10 times the value, right? Just from the auction because somebody else saw it and they just thought, man, I got to have that card. It looks so cool. I've read about it. I've heard about it. I've seen others who have it. I want to have it too. And they got it. And it just, it just tells the story of how much things have changed over the past 20, 30 years, where I think most of us who collected back in the nineties, never, ever would have thought that card prices, especially hockey card prices would explode like they have and and really i think it's since covid maybe a couple years before that so the past five years they really have just exponentially shot up in price which is great for buy great for sellers 
not script for buyers, but necessarily, but it just has become a thing. And I think it's also the passion and there's more enthusiasts who want to collect hockey cards, right? It's not just the football, the basketball and the baseball that were always higher priced. They always were, but now hockey is kind of starting to catch up a little bit to say, you know, we're, we're awesome too, right? We play, we play, just as, we play more games. We play tough. We play hard. Our guys are famous, you know, where's our recognition kind of thing. And I think it's really cool to the fact that cards that I remember picking up and buying with my dad, like with my allowance, right back in the day, or, or money that I got from making chores, where I could buy a Gretzky for twenty bucks. That card now you'll be looking at it for two thousand, if not cheap, if not more. Where it's just the the enthusiasm is there, the interest is huge, and people just want to collect the big names now, which again I think is absolutely awesome for the industry. I agree. You know, you you talk about. The val and we know what's going on with with the values of cards from the 90s i say we just the collectively everybody who's with us but i you know i think back to when i was really like in my prime of buying packs and building sets of the opichi hockey and i was doing baseball and basketball too but hockey was obviously primary for me in canada and i remember like say 1985 and if you go from 1985 if you go back 30 years you're 1955 in 1985 1955 to a 12 year old felt like ancient history. But now here we are to 2023 back to 1995 or so, you know, you're like, it's almost the same amount of time has passed, but 19, the nineties don't feel like ancient history to me. I can remember them pretty well still. And, uh, you know, you said like, boy, we didn't know what was going to happen to the value of these cards. And if we did, we would have done things a lot differently back then, wouldn't we have? But I think, you know, back in that second half of the 90s, the companies had to become so much more creative just to maintain market share, which was dwindling because the there was the, the whole hangover after the junk wax era. So uh, thankfully, they had to do that. The junk wax era, if not for the we talk, we talk about a lot these days, Brian, you, you, you're, you're aware of this about how are we in another are we in a junk parallel era or a junk slab era? What what junk what? junk blank era we're in something right now right mm -hmm. but if it wasn't for the original junk wax era we might not have ever had all that creativity and all those awesome inserts and parallels that came out in the 90s so i feel like we we as a hobby we rag on that junk wax era a lot but maybe we should give it some credit and there was a silver lining to it which was all those 90s cards which are now treasures if you can find them because you have to pay for them as if they are uh treasure right so Fun way to think about it you know you mentioned to me that you have like what you consider might be the largest collection of upper deck like pack pulled autographs talk a bit about that and like you didn't like your dad had a lot to do with that so how does one accumulate such a collection tell us about your dad how he how what what and how he what was his mission and uh, and how you've sort of taken it over yeah so i think as we taught i think Technically, I know when I counted it up uh, a few months ago, and I've again I've added some since it was over 700. So over 700 different Wayne Gretzky card autographs. And I know talking to a lot of guys in the hobby, now it, they're lucky to have one. Right? They they would they would kill to have one, let alone 700. So and part of the the reason it accumulated was, I mean again back in the late 90s, right when dial up was still going on, uh, the the joke was my dad would my dad would just hover and scour eBay like all day long. 
he would go online like when we were at school and he would just he would play 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 find the stuff he wanted time it like on his watch or time it write it down of okay i need to log back in you know 30 seconds before place my bid hopefully it, the, the signal is good enough that it goes through and he and he gets the win kind of thing not quite how it is now where you can do the, the max bids and kind of throw things out it was a different game right back then and the joke was my dad we always said we, we, we wanted cable we wanted this and my dad's like no no it's just fine i do it just fine you guys you know what you're talking about and we'd always said well if he ever loses a bid because the internet went out or pick, pick up a phone we'll get cable and sure enough like a week later he did it and i think either my mom picked it up and kicked him offline and he missed a card and we got cable like the next weekend right <laughs> because he's like this is not happening again so it just it just became a mission for him to and i don't get i don't think it was a greed thing it was just more of a how far can i take this like how how many can i get how and again how many are out there right so before really there were those catalogs i know back in 98 right there was the ultimate wayne gretzky beckett guide that came out and i know i have it right you know it's over here i might go over my shoulder that my dad would take to gibraltar with us and he would have a pencil and he would cross off what he could and couldn't find and he would write down things afterwards that were produced you know in 99 and 2000 later on but it just became something of do i have it i don't remember let me just buy it kind of thing now it's great to have that kind of i'll say an income to allow you to do that most of us do not including myself so it just but it back in the day you could get them if you knew where to look for for a reasonable price right for a few hundred bucks you could get a gretzky autograph or any kind of autograph on ebay before again before the boom happened right a handful of years ago where you could get them at reasonable costs and if you were lucky enough to accumulate them and, and build up a pile, you could then resell them. I know one of my favorite sets, right, is the 2012 all-time great sports, right? It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal set across sports. And I know guys who are hoarding cases of them just because you could get a Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. You could get a LeBron James. You could get a Larry Bird. You could get a Gretzky. You could get any of those cards. And in the packs, right, there's one auto, basically. And I know guys who got, like, the personal touches – which were out of, usually out of one, out of two, maybe out of four. And they sold them for like 400 bucks when they first came out because the hype was there. Now you look online, they're like 3,000, 5,000 plus dollars. And you're just like, man, if I'd held on to it. Now, again, that's hindsight 2020 for all of us in the industry, because at the same time, if you held on to it, it might also be worth $50. So, I mean, it, it goes up, it goes down kind of thing. But my dad just looked at it from the point of, I want to get as many different ones as I can because, and I think the, the, my favorite part about it is when you look at different autos from different sets, especially with Gretzky or anybody, his, his autograph is different, right? His autograph back in the eighties is one thing. His autograph in the early nineties to mid nineties is another thing when he's kind of rushed and he kind of does a G quick. It's not, if you can get the full autograph where he actually brings the Z down in a newer one, that's phenomenal, right? We call it a full signature. And it always dr dr drives the value up and it drives the collectibleness up. So it just became a thing that my dad just had to have them. And for whatever reason, I don't know if I, if I like it, I inherited it where I just think there's certain cards that I just have to have regardless of the patience to wait for it or not. I just think, nope, I got to have it right now. Whether I, whether I should or not is, is irrelevant. I just, I want to have it now. So I'm going to do whatever I can to make, I have to make myself have it now. Just monitoring all the platforms and making sure you find it and getting in there with the with the with the highest bid if that's mm -hmm. what it what it takes. You know, we asked I asked you before, kind of like what is it that, that drives you to collect? Can you 
can you sort of fill us in? First of all, your father, is he still with us? Yes, he is. And is he still involved in the hobby or is he is he just watching you from afar? He so what he told me so when we first saw and the big reason he quote gave it away to me so again I, I mentioned before my dad collected coins currency and and memorabilia in Gretzky so I have two siblings the the deal was my dad gifted is going to gift slash has gifted the currency and the coins to my older sister she's the oldest all the other non Gretzky goes to my older brother and then Gretzky came to me so that was kind of the the deal he had worked out with the three kids. So, and we had talked before about it. He's like, okay, well, you'll get it when I, when I pass as inheritance. And my mom was kind of like, well, why not now? Like it, you tell the story now, right? Like you're saying, tell your story, how you got a lot of these, tell the story and how you accumulated them. Tell the story of how much fun or how painstaking it was to, to collect all this that and share it with them so they can pass on to their kids or if, and when they sell it, let them share the story too. Like I am now. So part of that was we saw um it was a few years back where i think Herod had sold the uh, the first Gretzky OPG 10 right and it went for like 1.3 million dollars and i just thought wow that's a lot of money for a hockey card i mean it's a lot of money for any card technically but the fact that it was that big for the hockey my dad thought you know what maybe there's something to this yeah. so maybe i'll gift this stuff now and so he gave me the collection and he said look go ahead do what you want with it sell it burn it keep going to whatever you want to do it's yours don't it. yeah i don't, don't want to burn it at all but it just became he's just like you can do it you can add to it you can sell it all you can you can put it away for your kids i have three kids so he's like you can put it away for them or you know you can start looking into stuff and as i did that uh we had a guy from heritage come out and kind of take the first initial assessment of it and kind of pick some things out for the the first auction i did uh back in july 2022 and he's looking at it, and I tried telling him over email, over the phone. I'm like, look, yeah, there's like 4,000 cards. Or, and I said 3,000, the first email. And he's like, I think there must have been a typo. And I'm like, you know what? There was, because it was supposed to be 4,000, not 3,000. And he's like, oh, I thought you meant like 300. And you, you, I'm like, no, I'm like, you got to come out here. And this was kind of, right, COVID was still kind of going on, not quite as prevalent kind of thing. But he flew in from Atlanta. Uh, his name was Lee. He was a great guy. I chatted with him a lot. And he walked in to my dad's office, and he just went, wow this is going to be interesting right so he saw all the things you know the jerseys on the wall he signed the posters he saw the sticks the pucks the the pictures the postcards the every figurines lunch boxes coins or uh, christmas ornaments right so about everything everything that had gretzky on it my dad started collecting it just, just because that's what it was like you got everything you could i'm not sure if it was a, a mild case of hoarding or what it was technically but then we started flipping through the boxes and flipping through the binders and you could see his eyes just light up like, oh, wow, I can't believe you have this. And oh, my goodness, I can't believe you have that. And we started pulling cards out. And I think we grabbed out about 40 or 45 or so to sell in the first auction. And it did phenomenal. Right. And I just thought, OK. And I asked him, like, so this is technically mine now. Uh, like, what do you think the rest of it's kind of worth? And his unofficial, right, unofficial estimate was between like two and three million dollars overall which is that's phenomenal right that's absolutely phenomenal yeah. uh i think anybody like would like hearing that answer so but again for four thousand plus cards and this is everything from base to parallel to one of ones to patches to patch autos to autos to whatever to dual signatures triple signatures anything and everything you can think of so part of what he was saying is just like there's just some cards in here that you just don't ever see nothing pops like again the PMGs, right, are great examples where 
the 2012s, I mean, they jump out to everybody because if you can find them graded above a seven, it's, it's unreal because so many of them flaked, so many of them chipped, so many of them do whatever, and people are still selling them. They're not quite as big as they were, but to what I've seen before, PMG are cyclical, right? They go up, they go down, they go up, they go down, and people who hold on to them, they can sell for just ridiculous amounts. I think I saw before a Gretzky from 2012 PMG Green sold for like fifty dollars to $70,000. And I think most of us in the hockey industry is just like, wow, that, that's a, that's a big price tag for a card. So it just became something that again, when he passed it on to me again, while he's alive to tell the story, like we said, he's just like, do what you want, you know, look it up, look cards up and you can use Beckett. You know, you can use, you know, different websites to find the, the short print run, the SSP, the SP, the SSSP, whatever kind of things. And some people tell you, oh no, that's out of five or, oh no, that's out of 28 or that's whatever. But a lot of it was always hard because if you weren't really around when it first happened, you think you know what it's out of, but nobody knows. It's like Pacific, right? Like the 97 to 99 Pacific cards where people say like the reds are out of five, but people are like, no, I know somebody who has six of them. It's like, do they have six? Is it, is it really the red? Is it not? I mean, what is it? Is Beckett wrong? I mean, you never know kind of thing. So, and I think you touched on it earlier where you were like, you know, the, how upper deck had to up their game. I can remember going to Gibraltar right back in the nineties, like I said, where in 96, like when Zenith came out in the 96, 97, and they charged $86 a box and people lost their minds thinking, are you kidding me? Boxes are between 20 and 40, but how can you possibly justify this kind of price tag? But I mean, and then you looked at the cards and they were, I mean, they were thick, they were cool, they were shiny, they were, they were, they had the prisms, so they were just so different. And then Pinnacle, right? The totally Pinnacle, the Pinnacle certified, like the Mirror Goals and the Redemptions for the Mirror Platinums, all of that that came out, it just, I think in the industry, it took our breath away, right? It was just absolutely phenomenally different. And then again, it fed later on, right, into the Bowman's bet, like, you know, the, the refractor, like the Atomics, right? Everybody loves the Atomic Refractor. Because when you look at it thing, that thing just shines, right? And it's and if you have it, again, I'd argue above a seven or an eight or any grade, it just is so cool to see. And you have it in your hand to play with it in the light. It's just something that I think I think we become kids again. And it's absolutely awesome. Well said. Yeah. I mean, I you just had me in a daze that whole time. I was just like, yep, yep. Everything you're saying makes makes a lot of sense. You you, you mentioned in there that. You know, the you heard that the Gretzky PMG Green sold for fifty to seventy-five thousand. It's a lot of money for for a card. Yet the Michael Jordan, uh, there's one. I think there's one on Golden right now that's at like two hundred and eighty-five thousand before the buyer's premium for the one for not even for the green. That's for the red one out of out of you know out of a hundred slash ninety. So we're still we're in hockey collectors even though it seems like things are really expensive compared to basketball collectors and some baseball and football cards, it's uh, we're actually quite fortunate. I get, even though we're way more expensive now than we were, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, or maybe even four or five years ago. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, that, you know, there's a lot of, there's expense that goes into all these cards. You said, you know, you can't even afford, how are you? So you're still, you mentioned just now you've sold some cards via heritage, but you're also still buying cards. So are you, selling cards to be able to buy more cards or are you have you stopped selling like where are you at right now with the inherited collection 
that your father built and that you've continued to add on to? Like, are you selling? Are you buying? Help us understand where you're at. It's confusing because I'm a bit of both, uh, right? So I, I always say to people, uh, you know, again, what I think something is worth, right, is what it's worth at this particular moment, at this particular time to this particular seller, right? It's just one or this buyer, sorry. So, and I always say, tell people my prices are higher because I call it my uh, my PC withdrawal fee, right? Because I, 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 I'm not, I am and I'm not actively selling, right? I don't sell so I can buy more. I have a regular nine to five job, right? Like most of us. And I sell though, just because, I mean, I can. And I also know that a lot of people that I have sold to in the past, at least were like, you know what? I've always wanted that card from the nineties. I could never find it or I could never afford it kind of thing. And I wouldn't look at it as if I could sell it for 10,000, if someone's going to offer me like three or 4,000, I, if they can't, for lack of words, have a good story to it. I I'm willing to make, take the quote, the hit. I know it's way more than what I paid for back in the day. So there's still a profit involved, but I'm also happy seeing cards go to good person or PCs rather than being flipped, right? I mean, I, I personally don't think I could do the flipping. I mean, I know a lot of people do in the industry. That's how they can make their living. I give them a lot of credit. I, I just don't have that in me to say, I'm going to not, not swindle people. Right? That's the wrong way to say it. But if you buy it cheap to then sell it big, that's always awesome, right? Anybody in the hobby wants to do that, obviously. If you can get it cheaper than what it's really worth. But I look at it as I'm always selling because everything has a price to it, but I'm always also buying because I want new stuff. It's just I want to keep adding because I want to keep adding, whether or not it's greed, whether or not it's an obsession. I think it's probably more of an obsession that I just I can't turn it off, that I just love these new cards so much that I want to keep doing it. But I am allowed allowing myself now to more to chase singles versus, you know, buying boxes and buying cases because. If there's one Gretzky in the entire set, I don't want to buy a case and then have it a lot of cards I don't need to do with them. So, yeah, that that makes makes a lot of sense to me. That's similar to uh, to my approach, right there. Exactly. Okay, let's go to some more comments here. Uh, Jay Costco, welcome to the show. Good to see you at the Burbank show as well. Hockey Barn says Gretzky for NHL commissioner. The sports card professor has joined us. Good to see you. Justin Bode says these late 90s Gretzky inserts are now catching their calling. Yeah, I mean, it takes discover a lot, like myself included. You know, I had to dis- I had to discover a lot of these 90s inserts later on because that was the that was my period of least activity in in my in the last 42 years, mm-hmm. 43 years now would have been that second half of the 90s. Uh Mark Santucci says, Brian, are there any are there any Gretzky cards on food issues? Uh there there are. Um, I can't I know there are. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Maybe a host. Um, yeah, there's tons of Tim Horton stuff out there. Anything come to mind for you? Uh, anyone in particular? Uh, I mean, Kraft Foods always have one back in the days, too. There are a lot of little everything. Postcards or coasters, everything with Kraft, yeah. Mark also wants to know, do you have a favorite Gretzky? Do you have a favorite? Not including the rookie card. I do. What is it? Uh, again, I, I always I brag about it all the time. It is... My 98 be a player gold. If I can see get that right. Just because yeah. it's only one of two I've ever seen. It's technically uh serial number out of 10. And when I first showed it to people before, when I and I again kind of got back into the hobby, so to speak, or more uh, I guess social media wise, right? Because I didn't really know that people were out there collecting like my, my my dad and I were. And I started posting some pictures and I think I had people reach out to me and be like, is that card fake? And I'm like, no, why? 
He's like, like, no, like it's fake. Like, right. It's fake. Right. I'm like, no, it's, it's a real card. It's number four out of 10. Like why? Like, because we've always heard rumors that it existed, but we've never seen it, which makes me think that the other eight potentially are so buried in boxes, which is insane to think of from a card from 1998 that 25 years ago, it's still in a box somewhere. But yeah, that's, that's why one of my favorites, if not also the, um, the newer all-time future watch auto because i just think it's just so awesome uh this guy here and it's and it's out of 49 right and again it's just the fact that gretzky now has like a a future watch auto and the fact that he it is his rookie image so there's no a and there's no c in his jersey mm. and you almost never see that from any kind of gretzky cards good good detail right there that you just shared i think that that's a nice little uh sound bite a little bit of knowledge nugget that you just dropped there if you want to know if he was uh a rookie in an image no a for assistant captain no c for captain uh alan s throws up mcdonald's there's lots of mcdonald's cards we going back to the early 90s uh until they switched over to the deal turned over to, to tim hortons and tom harrison says also oh, there's a, a vachon uh the snack food gretzky as well uh the professor said, what is your working definition of junk wax era? Uh, mine is really 88 to 93, you know, plus yeah. or minus a year or two on either side, depending on the sport, I guess. But for me, 88 to 93 is kind of what I consider to be the junk wax era. But I'm willing to change out if someone can just, you know, in, better inform me. But that's how I remember it. I lived, I lived through it. Deep value investor. Good to see you, Brent, says, I feel Gretzky is like Tiger Woods to me. Probably should have one at least. And interested to learn about hockey cards. Good to hear. Good to hear. Tom Harrison, does Brian also collect Gretzky original photos graded by PSA or Sports Illustrated graded by CGC or strictly, or do you strictly collect cards? So primarily it has been cards. The only other ones I can think of off the top of my head were um, like the West Edmonton malls, right? These took my dad and I. Honestly, I just got them like last February or last last Christmas. So 35 years to find them, but primarily cards, um, I think, but I would never turn down a, an autographed photo or a cool photo. I've seen people, there's a couple of Facebook groups I know that I'm a part of for Wayne Gretzky collection or collecting and just some of the old school photos. Like there's some of him with like super short shorts back in the eighties with, you know, and then ice skates. I'd love to hang those up in my office just because it's just so. I mean, there's nostalgia to it, and it's just so goofy. I love the oddballs, too. So primarily cards, but I'm always happy to branch out just because. Just because there's other things out, right? Because if you see it, you got to have it, like you've said. So I hear you. Case Lawyer Minion says, are 90s PMGs made the same way as they are now? Same new technology. Yeah, so they're not the exact same. No, 97s were even more fragile than the ones that have been made since 2012 when, when Upper Deck put out FLIR retro sets for hockey, basketball, and football, I believe. I don't think they did uh, uh, baseball. I guess Tops was in the business, uh, maybe had the exclusive at that point in time. I'm not exactly sure, but but no, they're not the exact same. Uh, and the one thing that does distinguish the hockey from the other, from the football and basketball in 2012 is that hockey was the one that was actually licensed, whereas uh, football and basketball had to use college uniforms and teams because they were not licensed by the by the professional leagues, which in my opinion does kind of make those the first, well, they, they are the first PMG hockey, they're licensed. So there's closest we can possibly get to 97s, even though yes, they didn't come out uh, 15 years earlier, but to a lot of us hockey collectors, they're 
they're like almost, almost just as good. At least that's how I feel about them. John says, I remember buying a few packs. I think he's talking about Zenith here. A few packs as a kid and feeling like I made it in life. Yeah, no doubt. Orlando from A Collector's Dream. Good evening. Good to see you. And what else? Okay. Uh, Deep Value says, it's hard to compare 97 to a flashback 2012 set. It's easier for hockey than it would be for the basketball. But, you know, even the basketball and the football, like, I've looked at some of these cards, not just the PMGs, but, like, the Essential Credentials. There's some. They are actually really cool if you care about college careers, call, you know, college teams, which a lot of people certainly do. So, um, okay, you guys saw I had the Veriswap ad on the ticker there. I'm going to just uh, tell you guys a little bit about Veriswap quickly. They're a sponsor of the show. I'm grateful for them. So please use protection, practice safe swaps. Veriswap is an app and middleman service that lets you securely trade cards through the mail. Every transaction up to a million dollars in value is fully insured by their guarantee. To use Veriswap, you upload your inventory, make trade, partial trade, or full cash offers, and negotiate with thousands of traders already on the Veriswap platform. Check them out on iOS and Android. And as part of a special offer, your first trade on Veriswap is $1. There's a referral link in the video description for your convenience. And thank you for allowing me to shout out the sponsors of Sports Cards Live, to whom I am grateful for. All right, Brian. So let's talk about card shows because you mentioned to me that you you know your dad would drag you to never mind hockey games but the card shows as well and you mentioned the gibraltar show earlier but we know we all know by now especially if you watch sports cards live at all you know that for hockey cards the mecca is the toronto sport card expo which is by the toronto airport which isn't even in toronto that's okay we'll call just like we call the national chicago chicago even though it's rosemont we call the Toronto Expo Toronto, even though it's actually in Mississauga, but all that out of the way now, tell us a little bit about your experience crossing the border from Michigan, coming into Canada to buy cards and also what cards made their way down into the States for you. What was that experience like? Take us through that, the time, like when, when, in when in history was this and what were you doing and what was the environment like for hockey cards in both Toronto for you? and in and around Michigan where you are located. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I was gonna say at Mississauga, not Toronto necessarily, but like you said, uh, so my dad did know, he had a friend, uh, and he called him Big Mike, he owned a coin shop and, and a card shop, uh, so a local card shop, and they'd make the trip up like with us and we'd go up to Mississauga. And again, like you mentioned, back in the day, so back in the 90s and the, even the early 2000s, there weren't, you know, gigantic card shows every other month or every couple months. There was really that show in Mississauga was the big, big show to go to all year long, right? Guys from the States, from Canada, from Europe would all fly over and bring their best of the best of the best to sell at that show. Because again, pre-internet, right? There was no way to just sell your cards and anybody over in Europe and stuff necessarily didn't care about the NHL stuff. They cared about the KHL or they cared about other European leagues. So, and they didn't really have the cards necessarily. So driving up to Toronto, I think it's like a four and a half to five hour drive, give or take or so. We can go up through Detroit, through Port Huron. There's a couple of different access points through Michigan. And so again, we're, we're Canada junior kind of thing, right? In Michigan. So going up was never really an issue. You slept in the back of the car while my dad drove. And when you got there, it was just kind of, I mean, overwhelming isn't is a understatement, I guess I'd say, 
just because again in Michigan, right? Yeah, we know we had hockey and we know we like the wings and stuff, but when you go to Canada, when it, especially back in the day, for hockey, I mean, hockey is everything, right? Hockey's life. Hockey is everything up north because that's just it's what you play, it's what you do. Hockey is so much better than you know than football, than baseball, because yeah, that's what we have in the states. But people, yeah, they play here and there. But I mean, everybody I ever knew who grew up in Canada had a backyard hockey pond, right? Everybody had a rink in their backyard because that's what you did. So going up there to see a sports card show again contrary to like Gibraltar where there was such a mix in, in Mississauga, it was mostly hockey because that's where people wanted to go to get. So you could go up there. And I think to one of the questions before about just cards or not, my dad and I, again, while walking through and kind of finding the stuff here and there while looking around at all the oddballs and stuff, you could grab a set of postcards of pictures of photos and whatnot. I mean, a handful of them. And you could offer the, the seller 50 bucks American cash. And nine times out of 10, they took it because cash was king, right? Before credit cards, before debit cards, before, you know, God helped them write a check, right? Nobody wrote checks and nobody would take a check, a personal check at, at a card show because there was such a liability to it. So I think back then doing that versus like what I see now, I mean, it's night and day difference, right? Because, and I mean, I know one of my favorite ones that my dad got and I technically sold it, but then I, I regraded up necessarily was uh and i grabbed it out here too was the 80 sportscaster finished edition right so Ooh. most people don't know that we have them right but it was technically printed in 1980 contrary to the italian english version in 79 but there was a guy who my dad got it from and when i sent it in to get sold i or great as of i think something else happened technically i'll say i won't name names whatever but it had a crease along it so it got a 6.5 I thought it was a lot better than that when I sent it in, but you know, things happened in the mail. So, but my dad got it because the guys, he was a fin, he was from Finland and he's like, I got this card, this and this, you want to buy it? And my dad goes, sure, I'll take it. Here's cash. Have a great day. And the guy sold because I mean, it was every day for them because it was from Finland. Most people, when you see it, they're just like, wait, it comes in Finnish. It's like, yeah, it's, it's in it. It's English. So here's the English one. Right. And then, you know, wow. it's out of, out of Italy and then you have the Finnish copy. And most people don't really realize what it is. And it, it kind of blows my mind that most people don't. But again, if you also came into the hobby in the 90s, you would have no clue what those cards are. And, and it kind of also ties me into one of the things I love. Are, I love jumbo oversized cards. I absolutely do. Uh, and the sportscaster ones where they were paper thin, right? They bent, they, cr they cracked, they tore everything. So if you actually find them mint nowadays, it's it's unreal. Like they're gems in my mind. And it also ties into like to the Kramer's Choice cards, right? I love, 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 love those Kramer's Choice jumbos. Just because, I mean, all the different colors, they're super cool to see. Um, those are the yeah. triangular shaped ones, right? Yep. I grabbed my favorite one out too, actually. Yeah, this guy here. Yeah. Named after oh, Mike Kramer. Yep. And actually, this is the perfect one. So the purple one actually is signed by Michael Kramer. And it's one oh, of 10. Bottom there. Yeah. So it was one of the ones that they came out with. And it's just in 97, 98 had a cool one. 98, 99 had them. But there's just no love for the jumbos, which I don't really understand because I, I love them. But they're also they're hard to display and they're hard to store. So if you don't have the oversized cases, people don't want them. It's just one of those things where different strokes for different folks kind of things. And again, I, I grew up with this. I grew up with cutting the uh, like you know the box top or the box bottoms out of off OPG and tops and putting those things up on my wall. 
because that was what we did back in the 90s, right, as kids. So that kind of, I think, translated over to me liking the jumbo cards too. But I know plenty of guys who are who are diehard fans too, and they just they scoff at every jumbo card just because like, oh, that's not a real card. That's an oversized. They don't count. So, well, you know, I've I've agreed with like everything you said, and I don't disagree with what you're saying now because it's what you love. But I I'm I'm in that other camp too. I'm not a big oversized card unless it's like a tall boy. You know, it was the only card of its year sort of thing. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not big into them. the sports caster. I think they're cool, but I don't desire one for my club. But I'm also not like like you where and your dad, where if it if it was Gretzky, you guys had to have it. Right. So and I think there are a lot of people that do operate that way. I want to ask this, though, because you mentioned we've talked about the 700 plus autographs. Are they all upper deck authenticated pack pulled? Do, do you have. Or do you have any interest at all in like in-person autographs, like second, secondary, or I don't know, uh, just through the mail, in-person, slabbed or not, authenticated or not? Do you collect those? Any interest in them? So I, yeah, all the ones that I've discussed are all yeah, UD authentic, right? They're all post, or they're not post, but they're from production kind of thing. Um, the post production, the in in-person signed ones. I mean, I do have interest in some of it, but at the same time, I think if I were to, I'd want to get it in person myself, obviously to me, because all the things I have never met the man. I'd love to meet Wayne Gretzky at least once just because, uh, you know, I idolized him growing up as a hockey fan and as a player and everything. But I think it's really cool. I know people who have them who just collect like ticket stubs or hockey cards that are hand signed, right, by in-person things. I think that's really cool. It's, I think to me, and you also get into the whole, he said, she said, well, is that authentic? Is it not? Is it, well, I saw him do it. It's like, yeah, well, are you sure it was him? Was he on a bad day? I expected the G to go this way, not that way. This, not. So I think you, there's a risk necessarily in him, even when they're not authenticated. But I think it's cool either way, because I think in-person autographs, he takes his time more usually. So the authentic, the, or sorry, the autograph is a bit more genuine looking and it can be really cool the way he actually does the loops and the curls versus just a quick little thing. Cause he's got to sign, you know, 500 of them for the, for upper deck for that thing, which I'm sure is exhausting all its own, but I don't usually collect them, but I would definitely not discount them either. I think they're all, I think they're all awesome. Yeah. Oh, fair, fair. All right. A couple of, uh, let's go to some comments. Tim Marin says, uh, joined a little late, excited to see we're talking Gretzky. You came to the right place, Tim. And good to see you. Tom Harrison says, great guest. It's nice for you to hear Brian. Thank you. <laughs> Tom Harrison, Dave Snyder is better. He's here better late than never. Uh, Brent says 2012 has trout. I think you're talking about the PMGs, Brent, because um, I said they didn't do baseball, but that wasn't like a pack pulled card. That was uh, that was that wasn't a, that was an industry summit card. And I think he's like maybe the only player from it. I don't know if there were. I shouldn't say that for certain. There might have been. You could have maybe it was random. You could have had other ones. Um, but uh, but yeah, that that. That, that's definitely that's a, it's a great card. There's green ones and red ones. I know that for sure. Uh, I've looked at them before. Definitely. Uh, Bob's big boy. Did anyone see the Greg Morris cards? Hit a 1979 Gretzky Sportscaster rookie out of a sealed pack this week. Um, I think I did hear that. It might have been you. Someone was was messaging me, letting me know that that was going to be that the pack was going to be open, and uh, that that's definitely pretty pretty cool. Uh, the professor says, will someone in the hobby define which of Brian's father's 700 Gretzky autos cards meet the definition of Pareto cards? 
I think all I think Gretzky is in the Pareto. I think uh, I think deep value investor would agree with that, or it, you you kind of have to. I think he already said that earlier that he he recognizes that. Which of the seven hundred professor? Uh, most of them. No, I, I plenty. I'm sure are are in. Are, although I end up, there's a Pareto within a Pareto within a Pareto, as we've all learned as of recent. But in any event. Uh, John says the sport uh, active playing years Gretzky's will always fetch more value. Now that's that's interesting, and I think it probably holds true. I want to ask you this, Brian, because there's a lot of there's a, a narrative out there, and I think it's reasonable that playing days cards, whether it's Michael Jordan or Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth or Wayne Gretzky, are going to be more desirable than post retirement cards. And in hockey. I mean, I can tell you, for me, I like the cards from the 90s, but not as much as I like the cards from the 2010s. To me, that's when Upper Deck really made some amazing Gretzky cards out of Fleer Showcase, Fleer Retro, Fleer Ultra. Notice the, the common theme there is Fleer, uh, which is a, a, you know, a great one of my favorite brands of all time in, in, in sports cards. Um, but I don't, to me, it doesn't, it's, I don't really care if they're going to be worth more. I like the cards from the 2010s more than I do from the 90s. There are a few I like from the 90s, but where do you stand on this, Brian? Do you draw a line when it comes to Gretzky cards between playing days cards and post-retirement cards? So I, I'm more with you in the sense that, yeah, there are there are a handful of 90s cards, or we'll call them playing your cards, right, where – it's just you desire them because they're desirable, right? Then I think it's one of those things where you want it because you want to have it. But I, I agree. I know a lot of people who only collect up to 99. Like they will not collect anything more from 79 to 90, and that's it. Because they think those are the cards to collect. Those are quote, like the true Gretzky cards and whatnot. But I'm with you in the sense of, because again, like in 05 or in 06, 07, 05, 06, that's when we start getting the cup, right? And then we got the ultimate. And then, like you said, Fleer, right? You know, for the Fleer Retro stuff that there were a lot of really, really cool cards that have since come out since his retirement days. And I'd argue he's probably made more cards now than, or since retirement than he did when he was playing. So it's just, it's one of those things where I, I think, you know, to each their own kind of thing. And then again, collect what you want to collect, right? I mean, that that's a hard lesson, I think, for a lot of people to learn is that it's your PC, right? It's got nothing to do with what anybody else likes. It's got nothing to do with what anybody else wants. It's yours, right? You should collect what you want to collect. So yeah. and, and to your point, if that card speaks to you, for lack of better words, or that card is just awesome to you, go get it. Now, try to be reasonable with your budget, obviously. Don't break the bank. But at the same time, if that's one of the cards you really, really want to have, to me, it doesn't matter what year it came from. It should just be, that's a cool Gretzky or that's a cool Eisenman. That's a cool Burr, you know, what, whatever. Those are the cards you should get because you want to get it. The yeah. year of which it is, and if they were active, it should be irrelevant. It's like you said earlier, you look at a card, a new one comes out and it's gorgeous and you have to have it. Like that's where I stand. It's if a card is gorgeous and I want it and it's from 2015, not up to 99 for Gretzky, I'm going to, I'm going to chase it pretty hard, probably even harder because I think it's so much nicer than many of the cards from the nine. There's one card from the nineties. I know we talked about it. You've sold yours was the grand finale. Now in basketball, the grand finales I think are really cool looking, but in hockey, I don't like them. Like they, they don't, I don't think they're that nice. I, I don't desire to own one. Uh, 
because I don't like the looks of it. So I'd rather have, for example, this card right here that LGC asks if you own a copy of the 2012 Fleer Retro Essential Credentials, the now version out of nine. I'd way rather have that than a grand yeah. finale. I don't have one of those out of nine before either, anyone yeah. else hits you up. If yours is, a, if you do have one that's available, I want to buy it. But do you have one of these? I, I don't know. I had I had the out of 35 that I actually sold last year too. So, which I, and I couldn't believe. So again, to your point, the 2012 Fleer Retro series, I think was super awesome because it was so, it was so new for hockey, right? It, it all of it is cool. The platinum medallion, the, 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 the PMGs, the credentials, everything about that set just spoke I mean, even the all-star blue again uh, all of it which is so new in a sense that it just drove collectors crazy because hot it shot. was so awesome yeah hot oh my gosh yeah hot shots were cool i mean it's just it's one of those things that i couldn't believe the prices i was getting from because again back when i bought them it was i mean i call them pennies on the dollar comparison right i mean it's just one of those things where because i know people who are trying to chase some of the sets uh, that are out of nine, then the one was out of four and stuff. And I'm just like, good luck, man. That That is an awesome dream. That is an awesome goal. I really hope you get it. I, I don't have the patience to do that. I wish I did. But I, I have one project actually that I'm working on that I know is going to take me forever, forever to finish. So, uh, so I didn't want to have to go into this, but I will. So when I mentioned the 2012 uh, all-time greats, so the Lettermans, oh. right? And each of these cards is out of seven, but they're really out of one because each set is one of one. So that's, you know, it spells his name. I have three out of the seven. I have never even seen the other four. And it's from 2012. But again, I mentioned a lot of people are hoarding those boxes and cases because of the basketball interest, because right. of the basketball potential. Because if you get a Jordan one of one, write your, write your check, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you because you're going to cash in huge. So yeah. you just you just can't find them, and if you do, I think the cheapest I saw a box before, and again for four cards, and one insert and four base, I think is what it was, or it's one insert and three base is like eighteen hundred to twenty five hundred bucks for a box, and I'm just like, you know, I really want to get this set done, I don't want to get it that done that bad because I don't want to break the bank kind of thing. So yeah. that's like the one thing I'll practice patience on. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. there's always more cards, and uh, but some some card like. You can see above me right there that that's from the cup that's the howard chuck i note notable nameplate or something like that mm -hmm. you know they're all there there's nine of them but they're all one-on-ones i mm -hmm. picked those off one at a time and it took me i think seven or eight years to find the last one mm -hmm. but i was patient and and when it came to the last card it, whatever it took it took it didn't matter i you know in that case you actually need it's not a want anymore now it's a need yeah 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 Oh, you don't need it it's a want no no this no, is a need you don't understand yeah. it's a need right <laughs> tom harrison says i once sent a sportscaster gretzky card to bgs they said questionable authenticity sent it to psa got a psa 9. yeah standard standard mm -hmm. stuff right there uh sold it years ago though well tom good for you mm -hmm. the professor uh just wants to know brian your instagram account is private so people who are watching are trying to follow you right now tonight as we're speaking they're unable to you might want to go in and uh change that to public if you're willing to yep. and uh you know get some make some more uh contacts and increase your network through uh through being on here with the, the, the sports cards live audience uh hockey barn collectible says does ovechkin break gretzky's goal record great question hockey barn i didn't have that in my notes i'm glad you raised it because we are with a we are with one of the 
preeminent Gretzky collectors in the world right now. And I want to get you, before I share my take, which I've shared tons of times, and it changes as we get closer, what do you think, Brian? Will he break Gretzky's goal record? So honestly, I don't think he does. Ooh. I don't. Only Why? because, so it's, I think like last I saw before, he was like 70 or 80 away or something like that, right? And yeah, so, and I do think he's got a couple more years in him, but I think, I mean, everybody, everybody, I'll say, well, except, unless Yager, like Yager's different, right? You get worse with age, right? Kind of thing, but he just continuously got better because he was Yager. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's a freak, right? He's, he's an exception, a huge exception to the rule kind of thing. And I just, I think, I don't think he can keep the pace of like 40 plus goals a year anymore. Only because, I mean, yeah, everybody's kind of got it out for him. He might necessarily, I mean, he can get more prone to injury kind of thing. I think he gets really close. And I think that maybe like pushes him to go like another year afterwards, to which case he might break it. But I think he falls just short, like just short, like within like 10 to 20 goals short. Wow. So I, I, I feel like, and you know, a couple of years ago, I thought he's not, he's not going to do it. It's going to, it's too long. Now we're 70 goals away. I'm thinking, you know what? I mean, he's, he's on the cusp really. If he has two more 30 goal seasons followed by a 15 goal season, all of a sudden he's there. But for even that to happen, what is he? 38 years old or something? Yeah. yeah he's, he's pushing 40. So yeah, it, it's going to be hard, but a lot of things have, a lot of things have to go right. Or a lot of things can't go wrong, especially health or whatever else like the lock the, the we've had lock he's been through lockouts we also we also have well his first year was lost to lockout for sure but the pandemic canceled the year basically so yeah things that things have to go right for that to happen but interesting well we'll find out uh we'll find out soon enough uh within a couple of years i'm sure i'm sure john says that his comment was more of an investment standpoint long term wayne will probably keep signing until he passes for the next 20 plus years yeah that's a great that's a great point like wayne gretzky you know you compare him to michael jordan which is a great comparison because of they're both the absolute unquestionable go to their sport but michael jordan doesn't sign and wayne gretzky does what are your feelings on that you have 700 of these autographs are they are they being diluted is he diluting the population the print run the the amount of autographs out there for people to collect who like you said before, many people just want one. A few people want 700. Many people only want one. What are your thoughts on that long term? Yeah, and, and I would say it's not just Gretzky either, right? It, it's upper deck in general, in my mind. And because so right back in the day, right? And I, I, I love this about the hobby and I hate it at the same time where this hobby is purely on luck, right? You got to be in the right spot at the right time to find the right seller or anybody can walk into any local card shop pick up a loose pack or a box or a case or whatever and pull a one-on-one because anybody can, because it just, it could be that one. It could be sealed away at the same time. You could buy 10 cases and not get anything. So I love that about the hobby. And then obviously I hate it too, because I'm the person who would buy cases, but I think the continuously signing them. Yeah. It dilutes it to an extent. It also depends on how he signs it too. Because there have been a couple of sets where, and it's not just like recent, uh, I think the Skybox ones, right? Where it just looks sloppy, right? Where he, and you can tell he and other people, and there's just sticker, right? I know people don't like stickers versus hard signs. To me, it's, I mean, it's a bit of both. Yeah, I prefer the hard sign, which is why I like sets like Ice and Premiere. They look super nice when it's signed properly. 
It's all also, you know, can be smudged, a lot of things too. So there's good and bad to it. But some of the stuff that he signs now because he's got to sign like 500 of them, yeah, it gets a little lazy looking, right? Now, not to say he, it's not hard. I mean, my hand would probably cramp up too if I had to sign that many times and sign hockey sticks and jerseys and postcards and anything and everything people throw in his face, he signs, which I think is awesome, right? That he's willing to sign because the same thing could be, I mean, you could flip it like to Jordan, right? Where you put a basketball in his face, he's not going to sign it. He doesn't like signing basketballs. He never has. Now, he might say, if you got a picture, I'll sign it. I'll take a picture with you like in a phone, but I don't want to sign anything. So it's cool that Gretzky does sign, but at the same time, it's the catch-22 where he signs so much that, yeah, to your point, it, it kind of dilutes the market, right? It floods the market of there's just so many autographs. I have 700, and that's not even close to being to all of them, right? It, there's so many one-on-one autos, one-on-one patches, one-on-one patch autos that, I mean, even just like a good example of the SP Legends set, right? Again, and I love that set. absolutely love that set from March. Some of the legends in it were questionable, I'll say. Um, in terms of their legendary status in hockey. But in that set for the bounties, every player who was in that bounty set had six different one-on-one autos. That is, it's kind of it. Now, I got fortunate to get one of them, so yay me. But uh, I worked out a great deal with a guy to get his entire bounty set and the auto for, I would argue, it's a it's ridiculous steal. So that was cool for me. But it's also a one-on-one auto doesn't mean as much anymore now because there's so many of them. It used to be if you had an autograph, like back again, 97 and 98, right when they first started coming out, that was huge. Now, every player, for the most part, you know, and that's also cool for them as a player that you have an autograph card, right? That means something that's really cool. But like uh, one of my other favorite sets, right, is 98, 99, be a player signature series, right? And for those who don't know, like they had the silver card, the silver auto, the gold parallel, and the gold auto. Gretzky, of course, being Gretzky, the gold auto is out of nine. Woohoo. Everybody else, it was mostly out of like 900. They didn't care. They just printed them all. A couple other guys were out of 50 or out of 100 uh, from some short prints. But there, but there's other guys who have the autograph cards that sell for literally pennies. Which, okay, but you have an autograph. So that's pretty cool that you have an autograph of yourself as a professional player. And the Gretzky initially was super huge. But now that there's like a dozen or so Gretzky autos every year, it gets repetitive but I'm still not going to stop collecting them because I'm me. Yeah. So, which catch 22. Cause you have to have them. And yeah. I, I got, we got, listen, I mean, upper deck is kind of stuck in a, between a, a rock and a hard place there. It's a catch 22 for them too. Cause all their customers want a Gretzky auto, mm-hmm. but yet all their customers don't want the market flooded with Gretzky autos. So they do, they do monitor and they sort of let them trickle out. But like you said, you know, when you're doing whatever, 20 products a year, you have to put Gretzky in several of those products. And so you're going to have his autographs coming out, but they're not, it's not like he's signing 500 cards a year. He, he just, he just simply isn't signing that many, but he's signing plenty. And the nice thing, I guess, or not the nice thing, but one of the fact facts is, is that there's so many people that collect Gretzky because he is Gretzky yeah. that, you know, there's, there's the, the appetite is there. Okay, let's keep on going. Alan S says uh, it holds true except for patch autos, which are all made after retirement, just basically the difference between playing days and post-retirement cards, which is a great point. All the patch autos are post-retirement, but not all the patch jerseys. We we know if there's two at least that came out before that, maybe even a couple, a couple more. Bob's Big Boy wants to know, do you have the blast from the past OPT refractor? I do, yes. Graded? Uh nope, it's raw. 
Kieran Crilly says collectability and investment potential and aesthetics of a card can be different. Yeah, they can be. They can be. But at the end of the day, I think it, I think aesthetics is so important, so important. But and I think it does have an impact on not in all cases, but in some cases, I think it does have an impact on the invest on both collectability and investment potential. Goes on to say, Leaf 1948 Babe Ruth is like is an iconic card issued more than a decade since he stopped playing baseball. True story. True story. John says, do you think Gretzky has all around more pack pulled autos than Jordan and LeBron? I think he does. I think he's got way more than both of them combined, like multiple yep. times than both of them combined. Uh, Daniel A says, Gretzky's my boy, but Ovi passes him in, in goals. No doubt. All right. Uh, Richard says, yeah, Ovi will score 900 regular season goals, which would be amazing. Daniel says, great for the sport if he does it. Anani says, Ovi will do it in two seasons. So that's a 40 and a, that's like a 40 and a 35 goal mm -hmm. season. I don't know the exact number that, that he's behind, but I do believe it is in the 70s mm -hmm. right now. Uh, the professor, I don't know why Wayne Gretzky started signing more of his rookie cards. And I don't know that that story was ever true because I personally own a copy that was signed in like his first or second year, I believe his first year. So but that was signed for the cameraman for Hockey Night in Canada that I now own. So I, I don't know. I, I can't give you a fact on that, Professor. It's all it's all kind of uh, lore at this point. Daniel says, what makes Gretzky the best is he held the goal record for over 30 years and he was not even known as a goal scorer. He was a, a pass first guy. I mean, you'll know this. You'll Did you go into hockey pools or hockey drafts back in the 80s at all, Brian? Did you ever go on one? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. So I did. I, I did my first hockey pool, I think, in like 1984. Maybe it was 85. No, it was 84, I think. And I remember that, and this is how everybody did it. Wayne, you could not draft Wayne Gretzky. You weren't allowed to, but you could draft his assists or his goals. They were split into two players. Gretzky goals, Gretzky assists, and everybody else. So because his a, you know, you piled them up. He was more than double anybody else for the most part. John says 50 goals in 39 games is my favorite Wayne Gretzky moment. Yeah, that's an amazing thing. Daniel says he's the all-time point leader with his assists alone. Think about that. Good point, right? Like, take away his goals, he's still the all-time points leader. And then he says if Lemieux was healthy, he would have broken Gretzky's goal record. May I, uh, let, you know what? You, you, we don't know. You don't know. We just don't know. We just don't know. But maybe. We'll give you the, I'll give you the maybe, Anthony, but we're not going to spend any more time on that one. Uh, all right. Ovi knocked 42 last year at age 37. He needs a 37 and a 36 goal season to break it. Like that's, that's, that's within reach. That's, that's but doable. Yeah, it is doable. Yeah. Things have to go right though, Brian, for him. Things still have to go right. And in, yeah, collector's dream. Orlando says an injury and he won't beat Gretzky. Yeah. I mean, that's, and the injuries are common. They're common for sure. Uh, professor says, uh, how does the hobby decide comps on these auto Gretzky cards? They just go to, the, the hobby doesn't decide, the, the market decides really, which maybe is the same thing. But the way any any price of any card is decided, I, I would say it's just what they sell for. Simple as that. Jake Dahl, what is the best product to pull a Gretzky auto? Do you know the answer to that? Or I easiest? Mean, yeah, John says the cup is the easiest, possibly yeah. Stafford. Yeah. Could be yeah, one of probably. Those. Yeah. Daniel says Bossy was the greatest pure goal, pure goal scorer of all time, in my opinion. You're agreeing with that, Brian. Mike Bossy. 
I am. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know this always comes up, uh, I think, between Bossy, Lemieux, and Gretzky, right? And I that was co- the, one of the comments earlier about it where, because uh, to me, it's crazy because Bossy was just such a, again, not against him, right? I mean, you know, rest in peace thing. He was not the greatest player, but just the natural ability to score, right? He just did. He He just had that. When you watch tape on it, it just, he just knew where to put the puck to score. And I think Gretzky, it's the same thing where he could just see, for lack of a 30 seconds into the future, to know where to put the assist, right? To know either where to be to knock it in or where to set somebody up because it was just such a foreign concept to so many people, which is why I think he was so ahead of the game. And yet Lemieux, I think, was just a weird hybrid of the two where, agree, I think if he stayed healthy, he got closer, but I think even like with Yager on his team and stuff, he he does do well. I didn't think I don't think he breaks the record, so I think he comes really darn close to number number two. I think he breaks Cordy Howe's record or, or the number two spot, but not now that Ovi's there. But I, I think Bossy was just a pure again. It's a pure goal scorer. It's what he was. Yeah, yeah. And even I mean, do you? So that said, do you have? And I, I know you don't, but like, do you? I know you don't have any, but do you have any interest in collecting bike bossy cards? Because you feel he's the best pure goal scorer of all time, just like Daniel does. I I mean, I think I almost got a couple of his stuff from like the SP Legends, but then I didn't because I went to Gretzky instead, because that's who I know and that's what I that's what I collect. So yeah, right on. Colin Murray said the Wayne Gretzky signs with the number 99 on his rookie card now, but did not for his daughter. So that's a there's something interesting right there. Thank you, Colin, for that. Colin says, Bossy was scoring on soccer and at small goalies with small equipment. Yeah, for sure. Mark Santucci says, was Guy Lafleur better than Mike Bossy? I mean, overall, pro- maybe. Uh, overall, probably, right? I mean, yeah, I think overall he yeah. he, he, like, he likely was. John says, I live in Montreal, big Guy Lafleur fan, but Bossy was superior in most aspects. He had a short, a short career like Bobby Orr, those god darn knees. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, I want to ask you this. You know, you said you came back, really got back into the hobby when you're, you know, during the pandemic, your father kind of passed along to you his lifelong passion of building the Gretzky collection. When you got back in, what was your perception of sort of where the market was at? Like, like how did you, what, what were some of the, what were some of the things that you saw that you thought, wow, like this is where the hobby is? since I last really followed it, like take us through what that looked like for you. Uh, flabbergasted, I think is the best word to use just because again, I think we, we all saw the COVID I'll call it the COVID spike, right? The bump, the, I think part of it was right. We were all at home. So what else do we have better than look through our old cards? And I think people realized again with the internet, right? Being the internet that you can look things up now of, I really wanted that one. I never knew that one existed. People are selling. I want to get this. I want to get that. I want to get rid of stuff, right? I think it was it was a bit of both. I was absolutely, though, shocked to see the price jump, right? Again, I mentioned that even back like in like 2015, 2016, you could easily find some of the, the highly desired ones now, right? Like limited logos and most of endorsements, stuff from like from the early years in the cup for a few hundred dollars, maybe five or six, give or take. Now it's thousands, thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars for those cards. Now, whether or not they're graded, it depends, but I think it was also quite enlightening to myself of the grades, right? Again, back in the day, 
I never sent anything in for grading. Neither did my dad. We, I don't know if it was a fear or, you know, you send a card in. Is that the card you get back? Do they take it? Do they not? Now, I'm 99% sure they don't ever do that at all. Right. Anybody that actually happens was uh, an issue with the mail. You didn't pack it right. It got damaged, whatever. But it, the fact that everybody was buying graded cards, too, that was a very foreign concept to me because it was always you had the bragging rights for having the card, not of having the gem 10 or the nine five or the nine or the five. I mean, or your seven is better than my six and whatnot. And it was more of, no, I just have the card. So I think that was, that was quite, and it still is a learning curve to me of, uh, again, I not only collect Gretzky, I started collecting Dylan Larkin too, because again, from Detroit, so Red Wings and I'm hopeful for the future uh, with the Red Wings. He's a great guy. You know, I've met him a couple of times, like, you know, uh, you know, locally and stuff. And I know people who do, who schedule signings and things with him. So, He's a very charitable person, you know, and again, a lot of hope in the youth for the for the wings and the team. And, you know, his cards are more affordable. That's a big part. So, but like with buying his rookie cards, right, where, you know, you have a 9 versus a 9.5 versus a 10 versus an 8.5. And the price difference between those four grades is huge. I And I had no idea right about Young Guns because Gretzky only had Young Guns as like the retro ones, the flashbacks. And I have those. I have the, the the Canadian exclusives and the the high gloss and the regular and the exclusive ones. But I didn't know about you know the young gun, the foil, the the the, the clear cut exclusives, the exclusive, the high gloss, all of that. And I'm so I'm sitting here trying to learn while trying to grip, buy things that are at least eight years old. And also minor detail, anything from 2015, 2016 is ridiculously expensive because of Mr. Connor McDavid. So mm-hmm. anything in that era is huge. So Larkin happens to be in the same year for rookie cards. So that was, that was very, um, and it still is enlightening and confusing, I think to most people. And which is why I think a lot of people, right. They reach out on Instagram or on Reddit or Facebook to me or others who are, you know, bigger contributors and say, Hey, how much do you think this card's worth? You know, what, what do you think I can get for it? And in reality, right. We talked about this before the card is worth as much as you can get for it from a certain buyer at that specific time and day. That's it. And it's play. worth this in place. And exactly. Play. Because you might get offered five thousand dollars cash right now for it, and then you walk out the door and go down the street and get offered ten thousand. Awesome! And then you sleep on it, and the next day only two thousand, or two hundred, or nothing. Or now it's negative. It went down <laughs> in price so bad. Now you got to pay someone else to take it. So it's one of those things where, and I know a lot of people in the industry they like to use comps, right? Recent sales, which it helps to at least drive a market of sorts. But it's also it's unpredictable because people will use comps from a couple of months ago, a couple of years ago. And again, the market is changing so much so fast that you you can and can't use it as a guideline anymore, which it's unfortunate, I think, as buyers where you're kind of stuck at the mercy of the seller. But then at the same point, it becomes how patient are you to get that card? Right. Well, one of the big desired cards, which and I'll, I'll be truthfully honest in this. It was never a big hype to me. StarQuest Gold, right? The 9899 StarQuest Gold card where it's, it's, to me, it's still an insert out of 100. It's super cool. It's, I mean, it's a gold card, but a lot of them flaked. A lot of them cracked and whatnot. But it, people will look at that like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I got to have it, got to have it. But the price goes all over the place if you look at it, right? From raw to graded to not. It is just, it's one thing to another. I remember buying it for $250 back in the day just because that's what it was. And then I think I just resold it for over $5,000. So huge profit, pretty awesome. But it's just one of those things where it's really hard 
to try to have a comp and prices. And like you said, it's who's going to buy it and how motivated is the buyer, how motivated is the seller and what's going on with it. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And so take me now into, you know, you come back in, you, you learn all about where the hobby is and like you talk, you, and just before we, we go to the next piece, you talk about comps and to me, they're data points, but they are not the end all be all, you know, if, if yeah, I, I respect comps, but I don't live by them at all. But both, either as a buyer or as a seller, I, I'm interested in them and they're, they're, they're a piece of information. They're a piece of the overall puzzle. But, uh, but if we only went by comps, nothing would ever change. And th we know things change. So comps cannot be the end all be all. They just, they just simply aren't thing, things, things happen. So you come back in the hobby, you see where things are at that, you know, it's boomed social media. You meant, you just mentioned Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, all these things. What was it like when you started to engage with the community on social media? How did that work out for you? Yeah. So the first thing I started doing was Reddit, right? Cause I, I'd been on Reddit, you know, I, I work for IBM, right? So I've been a nerd forever. Uh, so like for the last 10 years, so I've been on Reddit and then I started, I think I was on our hockey card. Just, I was browsing it just for whatever reason thing. And somebody was posting some things like signature Sundays or, you know, or sick packs Saturdays, signature Sundays. And I'm like, Oh, I can do that. I got some of those cards. And I started posting and then people were just commenting like, oh my goodness, like serious, do you have any more? And I'm like, yeah, I got plenty more. Why? Uh, the, the one was, I think, it, um, again, one of my favorite sets, Sign of the Times, right? Back back from SPA where they're just, it's such, I think, an undervalued and underappreciated set because yeah, it's a very simple card, but all the autographs are just beautiful. In my opinion, from anybody, right? Especially the... Um, the 2000s, 2001 sets, they're just really, really cool cards where, again, simplistic designs, but you've got plenty of single, dual, triple autos that just blow people away. And so the one guy asked, he goes, okay, can you show me all the Santa times you have? Thinking I had like five or six, so I posted like 50 of them. And he just goes, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, no, I got more. Why? And he said, you have more of these? I'm like, yeah, I've got more. I've got the ultimate autos. I have this and this. And then it just became like a thing where even now, if I post on usually on Saturday or Sundays or like for mail day Mondays and things, if there's a Gretzky and or a Larkin in any of the pictures, people go, I know who posted it. I know who posted it. It's going to be Brian. Brian posted it because th this is all he posts because that's all I collect. But they're just and sometimes people just look at it and just are absolutely in awe of the cards because they'll say like, man, I remember when that set came out and I wish I could have got that or I wish I actually knew what that card looked like. And now I've seen it. Right. So thank you for that. You know, for showing me what it looked like and just thanks for sharing. Right. And then I had a friend tell me, Hey, you know, go to Instagram too. And I'm like, okay, I don't really use Instagram ever. Uh, I started thinking maybe like 15, 20 years ago, right. When I first signed up for it. And so, okay, I guess I'll use it. And then I started posting. And again, the same thing, it just exploded. People are like, can you keep posting more? And I'm like, sure. I can keep posting more. I got plenty more to do. I have it in my phone right now, even where on my, my desk for my office that I'm where I'm at, I spread out the whole thing and it took 25 or 27 pictures to capture all of my autographs on my phone. So, and I did it set by set. That's the only way I could possibly keep track of them all to actually know like when I'm looking at eBay or I'm looking at any auction sites of, do I have that one or not? I don't even know. Let me look through my phone and we looked at the sets to see, do I actually have it or not? So it, it was really cool. I think to see the appreciation and kind of the feedback from social media and then also to where I thought I had some really cool ones too. I look at other people and I'm just like, man, that, 
against a cool set or that is an awesome card that is just like because even so you might not have all the autographs but some of the patches and it's not just gretzky any players where i just look at it i just think wow like and i hope you pulled that from a pack or if you got it as a single and you bought it you know to get a really cool card like out of 25 out of 5 out of 50 out of whatever is great then to get it with probably the sickest patch you can I, I mean less has some right with the with the with like Solani and the ducks where it actually has like the mighty the mask of the mighty duck in it that is just absolutely phenomenal to have so i think social media has obviously really helped the industry e- explode and boom for appreciations right it's just one of those things where i, I love it i know my parents like oh don't share too much you know people are going to come rob your house and i'm like i don't think they will but if they do, I guess they do, but it's just, I, I, I love it. I, yeah. I hope they don't. I mean, I have, I have security and everything like that, but still, yeah. So it, it's just, it's been really cool to have uh, social media, I think help, not just like with Google and stuff, right? Like you said, getting back into the hobby. And I think it's also really great, like for newer or again, returning collectors to get back into it, right? You can use social media now to see what's desired, what's not. Sometimes people post prices that they paid or they sold for, which helps again, like we say, give an idea or understanding of what you could or should pay for or sell it for. So that helps people, I think, get back into the hobby, which I think is great. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's uh, the so- social media has has like you said, it, it allows us to share our hobby with more people, which grows the community. I mean, the you know there there is your local LCS, your local card shows, the card shows you travel to. But social media has allowed people who don't travel or don't have an LCS uh, the ability to really build these relationships. Are you, are you, do you feel like you have legitimate, like bona fide friendships because you've come back in this hobby? And if you, and it, you're nodding, so I assume that, that, that you say, yes, I do. Do you feel like your life is better for it? Do you, is, is your, does it, in, is the hobby enhancing your life, your quality of life? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not in my head. Yes, because yeah, there's a handful of guys that I have met uh, in the hobby, like you said, on, on Reddit and on Instagram, where uh, it, it's just also, again, I think a lot of it's like with your show, it's just so much fun to talk cardboard, right? To actually reminisce about the stories of how I'll call it the glory days, right? And not that back in the day was better than today or today's better than that at all. It's the difference of how things are. I think it's, I love talking talking hockey and talking sports and talking cards with people. So I think it's absolutely phenomenal to have met people with similar interests to your, to your point where they might be in Canada. They might be in Asia. They might be wherever they're not say right next door to me. So normally I wouldn't have met them at like an LCS, but it's cool that social media has allowed us to actually engage with those people. So yeah, I've met a lot of really, really good friends uh, through the hobby and through social media. Yeah. That's, that's just awesome for sure. Okay. Glad to hear it too, and and as have I. And I ask you if you know if the hobby has your involved in the hobby has enhanced your life. Mm-hmm. I ask you, hoping to hear yes, because I know it, it certainly has mine and uh, many of the people that are with us tonight. So that's great to hear. Okay, some more comments. Four by four Rubicon says records are meant to be broken. Ovi will break Gretzky's record, and someone will break Ovechkin's record. Listen, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I don't know. Like like, I don't know. Does the sport have to change more? Like, ah, it's going to be tough, but he's probably not wrong, right? Probably there's a lot of future ahead. Hopefully there's a lot of future ahead for that to happen. Then Richard jumps in and says, you know, 
Now that we're on it, Ovi might get 900 regular season goals, but he doesn't break Wayne and Gretzky's pro records for goals, which include their days in the WHA at 1072. And that might actually also include playoff goals. I'm not sure. But there is that other goal. When we talk about the record, we're talking about his NHL goals, on, goals only. But Gretzky and Howe had years uh, that weren't in the NHL that were still professional. So I, or, or at least Gordie Howe did for sure in the WHA. And I think Gretzky, I played for, I'm not sure. I don't think he was in the WHA at all. Maybe he was one year. I think he I think he was. That's why he wasn't drafted. Yeah, yes. I think in yeah. tech, that's why he didn't get the call there. Yeah, He'd be the rookie, right? Right. Uh, Professor says for a new collector, what is the budget needed? Do you think to acquire a pack pulled Gretzky auto, economy autos, for example, like four hundred bucks? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'd say between four and five hundred bucks, most likely. And then you yeah. have yeah, you have to distinguish. And, and Brian mentioned it earlier. You know the dis- the difference between sticker autos and on card. It's funny. The hobby calls them on card, but the hockey community has always called them hard signed. Hard signed on card means the same thing. I've kind of migrated to on card is what I meant. But you said hard signed, Brian. I'm like, that's what hockey collectors call it. Um, but you have to then make that uh, distinguish between the two professor and go from there. But, you know, again, easy enough just to do some searching on plat- on market marketplace platforms and see what things have been selling for. Uh, JT91 says, can you show some of your Gretzky Cup patch autos? Brian, why don't we take a, a moment and let you show off some of your uh, some cards? There's one. The 0607 limited second year cup limited logos. Yep. Yep. Very nice. Out of 50. Look yep. at the beautiful auto on that one, Brian. I'm sure I've got a couple other ones on here somewhere too. While you're digging, John said, Jeremy, take a look at Bossy's stats during the playoffs in his career versus Gila Fleur. And I see you've been going back and forth in the chat with others. I will take a look at that, John. Thank you for uh, for pointing out. I'm sure there's something really interesting for me to discover. I'm also going to be considerate of the different, you know, Gila Fleur played mostly in the 70s, while Bossy played mostly in the 80s. You're talking about a smaller league versus a bigger league. Playoffs, it's it's a bit different, of course, but uh, but it's watered down, I guess, is what I'm getting at when you go to 21 teams in, 19, in 1980, I guess it was. But uh, interesting, yeah, I'll definitely take a look. Okay, what you got some more cards to show? Uh, so I was just going to, and not just the patch autos, but so when I mentioned before, uh, what card was so gorgeous that I had to have it, it was this one, right? It's the yeah. Lamplighters. Because, I mean, the gold ink, to me, it's just the gold and silver inks to me. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I mean, I know I'm ADD, right? It's maybe just draws it into me, but it's just so cool. And and one of the other nice ones that I just got back, right, as the redemption was the recent Tim Hortons one, right? Now, the gold on gold isn't the greatest necessarily, but I think when I saw it before, it's something like Gretzky's was technically the most common of the three, and it was like one in 99,000 packs. Like the Patrick Waugh, because it's out of 99. The Patrick Waugh is something like one out of like 260,000 pack, which again, to the new collector, probably just seems absolutely ridiculous, right? Of how how can I possibly get that? But then imagine you're opening. And again, I love to rip. I love to rip boxes. I love to rip packs because it takes me back to when I was a kid, right? I think like a lot of us does. And now my wallet doesn't love it, but I do. So I think like most of us, and it's like, okay, you can do it. And then if you actually pull this card, how, you know, you almost shake, right? You, a lot of us watch breakers on, on YouTube or online stuff, and then they'll pull these cards and they're actually, sh- and they, they do it all the time, right? And they're actually shaking 
because they actually have pulled like the card to get out of the whole set. And then and they got it for not even for themselves, for somebody else who bought the who bought the team. Either bought a random team or paid money for that team and they got them that card. So I mean that that to me is just so cool. And that's why, like you said, it, it's helping to grow the hobby. It's helping to grow the interest. And I think that's awesome. Uh to your point, not just from record breaking, right? To help boost the interest in the hobby. But the fact that newer and I'll call it cooler cards than like like you said, the junk wax era back in the day, I, I think that's that's the best thing in the world. I, I want my kids to grow up collecting, right? And, and ripping, right? And my kids are six, four, and seven months, right? I want them when they're older, right? And I give them base cards, right? From the cards that I want to say, watch this thing, and they'll they'll sort them out by teams. Sort them out by players that they like, the colored jerseys, all that kind of cool stuff there. And that's what I think kids should be doing, right? It, it's and, it, yeah. Yeah, and hockey certainly provides uh, the the color jerseys. Show us five or six cards, just back to back. Just let let's see some cards. The people are asking. Let's give them what they want. Sure. Yes, grab. While you're Bob's big boy here, while you're looking, says Brett Hall was a great goal scorer as well. Had a nice run in the '90s, and he had a strong collector market, second only to Gretzky Lemieux. He was all the rage, Bob, as you probably remember. In in the early 90s, 91, 92, he was the hottest player in the in the hobby in the in the hockey hobby. I I, I had an LCS in those years. I remember uh, that he was he was everything back then. It was pretty him and Eric Lindros and Alexander Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're all I do remember that. Yeah, we're we're all very very popular back then. Brendan Ryan, good to see you. Says that collector's gene is what unites a lot of us folks. Best hobby on the planet. No doubt about it. Yankees fan says, Brian, I loved your Lions beating KC opening night. There you go. And then Alan S. says, Yager ha now has the most pro goals, has the record for the most pro goals at 1,099. But he also, then John says, Yager will never make it to the Hockey Hall of Fame because he will never retire, which is awesome. And then Dennis87 says, love the Instagram account, Brian. It's an incredible personal collection. Very nice. Very nice right there. Uh, are you ready to show cards? Yeah, yeah, I've got a whole bunch here. Yeah, so this is one actually I just recently picked up too. One of the signature shots, right? I've never really seen the red ink before on the wood. So I was happy to grab that one. Uh, so we're talking about Sign of the Times, right? So you have to have a duel, right? The triple with with uh, with Bobby Orr is over there in the box somewhere. So that was a great one I had. Uh, and again, going with, with SP Authentic. Right, the the first dual one with the two of them, and it was weirdly out of 158. Right, yeah. why they came up with that number, no clue. Another one of the Gretzky or the Grails, right? SPX Force, right? With the Gretzky, uh, that's kind of hard to like there. Out of, out of 100, right? With Mr. Yager as well. Uh, I love, I love, love, love Splendor, right? And again, it goes to the green to the gold inks, right? Yeah. I got this amazing patch one, right? And it's out of six. So it was only eight eight five, but again, I wanted the card, not the grade. Um, I love ingrained, right? So again, more of the fun stuff. And again, I mentioned the full signatures, right? Where he brings the Z down, it's more desirable. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm still a, a sucker for clear cut, right? Clear cut will always be awesome to me. The red ink, the blue inks, all that stuff. Um, I still love, again, the Masters collection, right? I have the full set or the ones from Canada. Most people don't remember. I have the box sitting right here on my desk too. Uh, just the typical game jersey ones that we had, right? With the again, how the jerseys were, like the sticker auto, right? Doesn't look as well. Hey, did your did your father ever pick up one of the upper deck 
Gretzky Master Collection boxes? Yeah. Uh, you mean the big wooden ones? Yeah. Out of, out of 150 or whatever or 250? Yeah, I got one here at my desk. Yeah. And and you have the cards that came in it still? I did. I did not get lucky and get the uh, the auto and the mystery pack, but I did get the one that's number 99 out of 99 for the Ooh. four quad packs, which is kind of cool. So that's that's, that's cool. that. But I did not get the super duper ridiculously rare ones out of like out of six and nine. Wish I did. And I see them online all the time. And I wish I could get one. But every time they want like between twenty and forty thousand dollars, and I'm just like, I would just continue to admire from afar yeah. right now because yeah. Yeah. my wife would kill me if I buy that. So <laughs> uh and again, another one, I mean it's trilogy, right? And trilogy doesn't get a lot of love, but with Gretzky and Lemieux. So again, there's just there's just so many cards, right? Which again is some would say that's a good thing. Some would say it's a bad thing where I just yeah. have so many that I can't even keep track. And this is just all the autos that in front of my office here from my desk, there's like eight boxes just of regular cards on Very top good. of two binders that I have from 7980 up through, I think it's two or 2004, 2005. All the other ones are in the boxes, but I have to, yeah. I have to convert those all over to top loaders. So awesome job. Lots home. Yeah. Awesome. Abel in Vegas says, does Gretzky have an autograph in the retro upper deck? The cup set they did using the Gretzky, sorry, the Crosby Ovechkin year. Uh, yes, he does. He does have, you're talking about the 0506 RPA yeah. tribute. Gretzky does have one. It's an LA, it's an LA card. John, whoa, Mr. Hockey and the great one. He's licking his screen. The Gretzky limited logos earlier is insane. Mark says, nice Gretzky cards, no doubt. LNS back to Yager. It's great for collectors from Yager playing days, considering all of his cards are playing days because he's because he's still playing. And Dennis87 put a tag grading comment up a little bit earlier, uh, which of course I appreciate seeing. And I'll take a second to shout out tag grading, guys. You can join their Discord server. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, you can join other hobbyists who value consistent, reproducible accurate and unbiased grading and they are chatting buying selling trust me when i tell you the tag discord is popping check it out if you're interested uh, in, in in again consistent reproducible uh unbiased grading and you can join the facebook group as well and i'm going to take a moment to show you a couple cards and they, they are great well i'm going to show you actually where's the other one here oh here we are you'll love you'll love this yeah i wanted to show one from them so these are both 90s Gretzky's Brian and everybody and I'm going to show you them both up beside each other right now so I showed you the, the lethal weapon right there and then I also have the pinnacle summit artist proof which isn't like a really expensive card I think I bought this at the national in 2019 I, think I got it for like 50 bucks this one here raw and then I just had it graded. and like look how pretty that card is and of course in the tag slab it's just it's all about showcasing the card but and then lethal weapon superpower. Do you have these cards? Uh, I used to actually. I sold them both. But to your point, the the summit artist proof I think is without a doubt the nicest. Uh, I'll call it the prettiest artist proof ever. Like that has ever come out. And like you said, it's not super expensive, so oh. it's easier to get. And that again, playing years right. When I go back to the '90s and for newer hobbyists, right, or people again getting back into the game there's a great card to start with your collection with, right? Oh. It, it's easily, easy to find affordable and it's a great start to it. So just beautiful. Like, and again, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to get beautiful cards. Mm -hmm. 
You can. There are beautiful cards for thousands of dollars or tens of thousands and more. But a card like this, I saw it on the guy's table, and he wasn't a hockey guy. It was like one of maybe two hockey cards. I'm like, that's a gorgeous card. I see a 50. I didn't even negotiate. I just said, I'll take that for 50 bucks. That thing is beautiful. And it ended up grading a, nine, a 926, which is like halfway between a 9 and a 9.5 with tag. Looks so be- looks so beautiful. I love it. I love it. So so nice. So nice. Uh, well, thank you, Dennis87Pens, for uh, reminding me to uh, do a, a tag grading shout out. Had a great, great show at the uh, Burbank. Great experience at the Burbank show last weekend as well. Oh, I want to ask you too, Brian. The first major Gretzky collector that I was ever aware of is named Jeffy Gr- Jeffrey Griffith. And he wrote the book Gretzky Cards with, I believe, cards from his collection. And he's one of these guys that he stopped collecting after I think I think it was 2008 or something like that. It wasn't it wasn't to coincide with his retiring. It was more that just it got out of hand. Just it, it became all consuming for 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 Jeffrey, who was going probably working on his doctorate at the time. And or, do you know Jeffrey Griffith? Are you familiar with him? I, I'm familiar. I don't know him personally, but I do know of him. Yes. Well, that's cool because I mean he's somebody who. It was very well known in the hobby uh, via, I think, message boards and card shows. And uh, whereas I got to admit yourself, I didn't know that you were a huge Gretzky collector until very recently. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just kind of funny how uh, how things work that way, right? Like, but do you have, do you have his book? I I don't, but I know somebody who has it. They keep they they constantly show me pictures about it all the time. Where I'm like, oh, I gotta go get it. I have to get it. I have to get it. And I keep meaning to, and I just forget. So I'll probably do it after this actually online. I'll find it. So it's just one of those things. I think without a doubt, probably the, well, easily has a nicer, I'll call it a nicer, a more complete collection. I've never seen a more complete collection before. Right. And again, it's not just, like you said, it's not just playing years. It's not just specific stuff. It was just to put to his point, it got out of hand, right? You can't possibly keep up with so many different cards every single set every single year every single parallel because that's what my dad and i originally tried to do right we tried to get every like for opg platinum right you got the pixel you have the, the purple the rainbow the pixels the blue the green the the gold everything the auto that came it was just got so so out of hand that it's it's impossible to keep up with and you try your best because we were determined and again i may be borderline obsessed but it, it's just one of those things where it's easy to get carried away financially, especially, right? I mean, if you're, if you're trying to sink everything into this as a, as a new collector or even as a intermediate and expert collector, you've got to pay what you want to pay. And if you, and again, I say this before, I think told just yesterday that I admire this about because there's certain guys I know who do the same thing. And my dad always did it. I can't, um, the, the ability to walk away, right. Where to your point where you said you saw the $50 card in there and, if my dad wanted to pay $400 for a card and the guy had it for $800, he'd offer him $400. And if the guy said, no, it's $800, he'd go, he'd go, all right, and he'd walk away. Fully knowing he's either going to find that card again or he's going to go back at the end of the show and say, you still want to sell it? Yeah, all right, $400. No, $800. Yeah. Okay, see, see you later. And he would just absolutely walk away. I mean, again, StarQuest Gold, right, where I mentioned, and, and the hype was huge. It still is. A lot of people want it. It took my dad eight years to find the card. And he, bought, and he finally found it, and then he okay, cross up the list. That's it. Now, happy to wait? I I can't do that. I wish I could. I wish I could do a lot better, right? Which is why I know this all-time greats Letterman is going to kill me in terms of having to wait for someone to get it. But 
I'm determined to get it and to actually have that full Gretzky set. So and and you know, but Brian, the nice thing about that is that there's something to be said for having a lifelong project. You know, it might take you forever. You might have to wait for people to literally die to sell off those cards for for them to enter the marketplace again, mm-hmm. right? For their kids or whomever who they're the the widow the widow or whatever it is who might not want them anymore but that's okay like if it takes if it takes you 15 20 more years it takes you 15 20 years yeah yeah agreed agreed, these these lifelong projects in the hobby because and there's there's also like the you know once you complete a set it's done but some things are like living sets in a way where more cards what and that can be anything you want like you can just decide how you want to structure one of these projects and make it so that it lasts forever. And I encourage people to do that. Like have, have some short-term or smaller kind of finite type of things that you're going to work on. That's going to be mostly what it is, but maybe build, go on a pro. And you know what was a good one for me? What the first thing that I, besides completing the base sets in the eighties every year, the first thing I tried to do is, and I, I accomplished this was the rookie card of every thousand point man in NHL history. And the time I started that, there was like 60 of these guys. Now I think it's up to 90 something. And I started this in, was it the late 80s, early 90s when I started that project? And that's something that, you know, player every year, there's one or two or zero players that, that accomplished that milestone, reached that milestone. But that's something fun to club. Maybe every 300 win goalie, maybe every 20,000 point basketball player, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can do it. So I think that that's uh, that's a nice a nice way to do, it. and I encourage you to for you yourself. Don't get don't worry about it taking long. Just experience it. The journey it's the journey, not the destination. In a lot of this, and the funny thing is how how true is that that in collecting it's the journey, not the destination? Because you see it over and over and over again. People build a set, they 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 hustle, they they put in hours, they search high and wide, they complete the set, and then they sell it off. So the journey was much more enjoyable than the destination, which is owning all these cards. So work a lifelong pursuit in this hobby, I think is a is is a, a great thing to have um, in your as part of what as part of your hobby approach. Would you agree? Like, what do you think? Uh, yeah, actually. So it's funny you say that because so uh, again, the other one, right, the chron- chronology, right, Letterman's, right, that they came out when 1920 or 2021. Um, and I know I have my Frankenstein, right, Gretzky, because right? I, I wasn't going to find all four or you know, all four teams where I wanted to get an Oilers, Blues, Kings, and Rangers, right? I want, I mean, obviously you can't have eight because there's only seven letters, but I've got a couple of each, right? That was my, that was the goal was to finish that. And now it took me a couple of years, right? Handful of years, right? Because that's since that's been out where, but I know somebody recently who I think as of like two months ago, he had like none. And now he's my, he wants my blues Z because he can't find any other ones. But, and if he gets that, he'll actually have all four sets full. Now that in in itself, that's a great achievement, right? To be able to put those, those cards together in that short of time is incredible. It's actually almost unheard of, but to your point, it's almost more satisfying if he found them one by one, two at a time, maybe got one at a show. Maybe had to trade one, a letter for another one to get a different one back. Kind of, it's, it's, it's the journey more that would make it a bit more satisfying. Now, I know, I know, you know, his name's Adam, right? He sold me. He's like, well, no, it's going to my personal collection. It's never being sold. And I, I hope it does. Right? That's a really sweet thing to display. You know, Gretzky, 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 Gretzky. 
that's really awesome to display that. Not many can say they do that. I mean, there's only 10 cards of each. So technically only 10 people can have the full set to say you've got four of them take out the 40 is pretty incredible. Right. Yeah. And, but I, I agree with you in the sense of when you just hurry up and get it done to, and if it's to sell or it's to keep whatever to each their own, right. For how they wanted the hobby. But I think it is a bit more enjoyable, right. I think I know I have at least like eight different eBay reminders, right. That are set for save searches where a certain card pops out. I'm like, Ooh, what's this? And I almost forgot that I said it before. Right. And you look at, you're like, I want it. I want it because I remember now what it was for. I remember why I was chasing. I remember this, this, and this, and I've got right in my, in my office, I've got my two drawers, which are full of my like chasers. And a lot of them are the lettermans or they're like the game you or the team marks or team letters, all that kind of stuff. Those are the ones that are really fun to chase because they don't pop up very often, like you're saying. So that, that that's kind of cool. And, and I, I appreciate that. And I, I, I agree with you. I hope more people do that and remember that it's not about, it's not a race, right? It's not a race to get to the finish to say, um, I want to hurry up and, and get this set done. It's, I want to take yeah. the time to find this stuff. For sure. For sure. Okay. We're going to, we're going to start to wind down. I'm going to go through a few final, a few comments. We're at the hour 53 mark. It's been awesome, by the way, Brian, great conversation. I know we've had great, great viewership. So the audience is enjoying, I believe you guys are enjoying it. And, uh, and I want to ask, I want to just put the question out to you guys in the, in the chat, you know, do you, do you only like, do you, do you have a lifelong pursuit in this hobby or is it all about completing sets or are you just collecting a player in which case you can probably collect forever? Cause there's so many cards for most players nowadays, but curious if anybody, you know, did that, did that resonate with any of you guys or, or do you think, you know, you just want to collect your own set, your, your, the sets you're after or the themes you have. Um, let, let us know, throw a couple comments in if, if you're able to, um, Abel, speaking of Abel, Abel in Vegas here said those tag slabs need some perfect sleeves. Well, I'm going to show you something, Abel, right now, this company right here, defend pro, these are for PSA slabs, but, and these are, these are the nicest ones I've come across, but I'm going to show you how well they fit the tag slab. And I, I, I do keep my cards in these as well. But I like them out. The tag slab, there's nothing clear on the market, but I'm just gonna close this one up. And like it, it's it's a beautiful fit. And it does look pretty good in there too. But I still prefer it not in there. And you know, just I prefer it on its own. These slabs are super nice. The professor says a caveat for tag, I uh, they wouldn't take thick. Yeah, so tag is only grading cards up to 55 point thick right now, but the thicker cards are coming, it's just a matter of time right now. Uh, Mark Santucci, like the LA Kings card. Yeah, I just showed it. I love this card, Mark. And it's not even an expensive card. Like, it's just, a, it's, a, it, it's, it's one of the cheaper Gretzky inserts that you can really find, I believe. The professor says, are there issues of fake Gretzky cards in the hobby like the 86 Clear Jordan? Yeah, I'd say the 79 Gretzky Opeachy is probably the most fake card in the whole hobby, probably even more than the 86 Jordan. I think it's, I think it's the number one faked card in the whole hobby. There's definitely a definitely issues with that. Uh, says, do we know how many of the Gretzky patch cards are player worn, and what does it mean game worn? Uh, just too too big of a question right now, Professor, for that one at this point in time. Latrell Sprewell, what do you make of the Juan Garcia scandal? I was wondering if anyone was going to ask about the card porn. That's the, that's the card porn scandal. And listen, 
what is my what do i make of it this has got to there has to be a made for tv movie out of it i mean this is literal tv movie material it's that interesting and intricate and a long game and i mean wow all i can say is wow but what what i make of it is everything that you're making of it uh you as latrell spreewell says here Ravel reporting more fraud i'm 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 watching darren and i recommend you guys if you want to know what's going on with this scandal and this is like the biggest scandal they hit the hobby since mastro probably um i recommend following darren Ravel on instagram and no sorry sorry darren Ravel on twitter and then I'm to stay informed. I'm watching a couple of YouTube YouTube uh, content creators. I'm really following along with um, AIH and uh, Dan the Cardman. Those guys are bringing the news, and um, so that's that's how I'm keeping informed on it. And I just must say that I am finding it uh, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. Just just crazy. Okay, I'll leave it at that. But uh, those are my thoughts on that. JP says it's just fun listening to experienced collectors discussion about Gretzky cards. Nice to know that you're there, JP, hanging out with us. Mark says, five out of five stars. To answer your question, I'm working on family sets like Carl Yastrzemski and Mike, Craig Nettles and Jim Nettles. That's, see, that's what I'm talking about. Something like that is fun. And it's not really a normal thing, right? And not normal. It's outside of the norm. So I like that, Mark. I like that. Um, professors, maybe it'll be on Court TV or American Greed. American Greed's uh, would be a, a, maybe a, the best platform for the, even though he's Australian, it really happened with American items, American, if you will, right? Hockey Barn says 90s Gretzky's inserts are as great as Jordan's, but much more affordable. They are, but they're, but you're nodding along, but we don't have some of the key ones that, but we do, we did get them in the 2010s, like Platinum Portraits and Essential Credentials and PMGs and uh, Intimidation Nation and Hot Shots. These all came in the 2010s. And I gotta say, I love them whether they came out in 2010s or 1990, the late 90s. It doesn't really matter to me. And 4x4 says, as a lifelong Merino collector, your comment resonates with me. It has been a passion for 40 plus years. Love it, love it, Rubicon, love it. All right, anything else? Any final comments from you, Brian? We are we are done. We've gone through everything. I think we've had some some good discourse here. Really enjoyed the conversation. You brought a ton to the show. See, I think this is for me, and I do consume my share of hobby content. This was the kind of content that I needed right now after all the legal issues and scandals and drama going on in the hobby. I, I felt that I wanted to do a collector-centric type episode. I feel like we got that tonight, Brian. So thank you so much. And I'll give you a chance to make some final comments and we're going to sign off. Yeah. Th thanks for having me again. As I mentioned, I can, I can talk cardboard for hours or for days, right? It's just, it's so much fun, right? Like you said to, and again, being somebody who is uh, a reintroduced, I'll say collector, right? Again, always, I've always been collecting right, with my dad and stuff, but it, it was more isolated, right? So to your point where I didn't have a digital footprint on social media in terms of the collectors, which is then when, I kind of quote hit the market. Everybody's like, who is this guy? Like, who who is he? And oh wow, how does he have that? And he has that and he has this. And oh my gosh, where do these cards come from? Which I think again is absolutely awesome with social media, where now people can come out of anywhere. And again, you can help facilitate trades and deals and what and everything like that, or just share what you have, what your favorite ones are. I love when people post uh like, like the artist proof, right? Where 
it's not the most expensive card in the world. It's not a one of one. It's not out of two. It's not a patch auto. It's just a really cool card that you like, right? That to me is, I think the driving point or should be the driving point for a lot of the industry where it's, it's that, you know, collect what you want to collect and enjoy it, right? Don't worry about the money. I mean, I would say, don't worry about the investments and the going forward thing. It's just do what you want to do and hopefully enjoy yourself while you can do it. Right on. All right. Abel in Vegas says, great show. Who's the next super collector to showcase? Well, I can tell you just to keep you all informed, there is no, no sports cards live next Saturday, tomorrow night, PWCC weekly hockey, Monday night, MC Mondays live. That's crazy stuff. There's some crazy hockey cards on PWCC tomorrow too. Uh, and then we're going to be doing a slab shark show on Thursday and then nothing until I'm back from vacation. That will be from my vacation home, my Airbnb. And then it's good. So that'll be uh, off site. And then I'll let you guys know. So no show a, a week from now on Saturday, the Saturday after that is none other than he's making his return. It's been a long time since he's been on and he's been on five times. Dr. James Beckett will be back on the show on the 23rd. A week after that, we have Mike Baker from Mike Baker Authenticated, the guy who puts the the stick, the the eye appeal stickers on slabs. He'll be joining us. We'll learn we'll learn all about his history. Um, and then we have Ray Schulte coming on the week after that. Those are the next three shows. Uh, we'll get another collector episode in shortly. I promise you, Abel in Vegas. Uh, John says, hopefully Brian meets Wayne Gretzky and shows him his collection so Wayne can promote the hobby. That would be. Awesome. That would be uh, would be a cool video together. Thank you very much. Richard says, well done. Great job. Thank you so much. LGC, noise boy and noise boys. He mentions, the, I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there, LGC. I forgot to mention the noise boys. Another great 90s insert that we did not have in hockey until 2012. Thank you, Jeff McMahon. Thank you, Mark Santucci. Swamp Donkey, off grid. Good to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for the comment. Same with you, Rubicon. Professor says, maybe, Brian, when you retire and pass along your collection, your current seven-year-old will be a future guest of Jeremy. Hey, listen, I don't plan on stopping, so that would be really cool. That would that would be great. Professor picked up four Slab Shark hockey cards last Thursday on their eBay auction. Very cool. All right, Brian, thank you for joining. This was great. Thank you, everybody, for watching. You know what's coming up in the near future here. We'll be back soon. And with that, this episode of Sports Cards Live is now over. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.